When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating Flat Earth versus Globe Earth, and we are starting right now with our Flat Earth team's opening statement. Gentlemen, the floor is all yours. Okay, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm Bev, try thinking. Um, I'd say I'm not necessarily a flat earther because I'm a geometrically um, accurate realist and uh, flat is a two-dimensional surface and we know from reality that uh, elevations are measured from a horizontal base on a vertical datum. Uh, I'm here mainly because um, troll-induced has brought me into this arena um, from just stating reality facts. And so, I mean, that's why we're here. Uh, Forced to try and prove to myself that level is horizontal and um, stating that the drop of the horizon um, is a geometric fact. So <clears throat> having to prove that uh, level is horizontal, we ended up going back to first principles, right back to the basics and the basic understanding of um, where we're at. We found out that it's a, it's a logical base, uh, logic and geometry uh, are what put me here in the first place. And so, yeah, the, basically, it's um, a, a proof, a geometric proof in reality um, using a 3D uh, Euclidean space uh, to prove that level is uh, horizontal, which a lot of people get freaked out about, but most people know it as a reality. So we've devised a test. Um, I'm not going to go into the test today, um, but I mean, anybody's willing to come around and, and view it if they want to. But the principles, the basic principles are, are this. I'll, uh, I'll give this. On the, on the board, we've got a water level, 
um, there is a water level here, but this is a depiction of it. So in reality, you've got your water and it levels out. This is called a horizontal. Um, one of the globe models um, is uh, the hump and the drop. You've got two different models. You have to decide if you have a globe model in your, uh, in your head. You've got the constant drop from the point you're at, which we call the, uh, the, the, the nutsack drop, we call that. And then we've got this one, which is the hump, the rays in the center um, from one side to the other. Um, that's basically where, where we're gonna be going or where I'll be going. Just basic logic and the contradictions within this. I just, I personally just deal with the reality model and what is. So um, I'll be staying firmly grounded in mathematics and geometry and logic. So thank you very much. I'll pass it over to uh, who's next. Now I can, uh, I can go, you hear me good? Really good. Uh, so yeah, basically, uh, I'm right the hand, Chris. I've been in the, the debate for a while, and yeah, I'm not here to debate either, right? Like I did that. I know you guys might be new to the debate, and you might have been expecting, oh, gravity this, gravity that, you know, oh, this and that. But what if you're true to true to finding out the truth and getting down to uh, what is real, you know, which one or neither? Because uh, I'm I don't consider myself a flat earther, right? Like flat and ball is like Democrat or Republican, right? I'm like, I'm not the politics, right? I'm not, in, and that's how I see it. It's a, it's a political realm of people that are like, I'm this, you're that, I'm right because I'm a this and you're wrong because you're that. And, you know, I was okay with that when, you know, cause of course you argue from your side and you're like, oh, well, these are the, 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 the facts that I have. And they'll be like, oh, well, these are the facts I have. So now it's just like, how do we both agree? Like what is going to determine whether what shape anything is right like if you i have a great fruit right now how do we know this is not a square well geometrically right geometrically there's there's aspects physically there's physical aspects to round objects right now uh again i'm i'm with bev on the uh horizontal like if you put you got the glass of water right look at the, the line of the water would let you know that this object is not straight so there you go. And that, that we start working from there. You start working from things that are demonstrable. And then those demonstrable things, like how this water is in that line, right? We can't quite describe it with words perfectly, but that's where geometry and geometric values come in, right? Like if you have a circle, uh, 3.141, you have the, the diameter will go around a certain amount of times always. That's how it works in the real world. And we just switch that real world working into a language that we can talk back and forth with and prove stuff with, right? Like if I wanted to know if this was going to roll down a hill, like because round objects will roll down a hill, right? And and you can uh, prove how the behavioral aspects of the hill is off the horizontal, right? So in water will tell you if you have a horizontal. So they're just logical proofs that are based on the reality. So if you if your logic is not based on reality, uh, I don't you don't have logic. So. I'll uh, I'll concede the rest of my time and yeah thanks for having us James.
Flat Earth Rossi, the floor is all yours. Final speaker for the Flat Earth Sides opening. Right, yeah, thanks, James. Hope you can hear me fine. Obviously, my camera's not working. Is that correct? Okay, no dramas. Um, it's good to be here again. And I've been pretty busy, but uh, obviously, I've been a strong Flat Earth supporter for quite some time now. And uh, the one thing that most people are always hammering on about is to show us a Flat Earth model. And this is always a huge problem for flat earthers because basically the model only works at full scale. And, you know, the globalists are so used to seeing tiny little models like the things you hang above your baby's crib that they can't sort of understand reality any other way. So it happens at true scale. And I think the best comparison that I can give to help people to understand how the nature of the model works is to think about a fish underneath uh, the layer of a frozen lake. So the fish under the water, under the ice, when he looks up and sees a hotspot apparition of the sun on the ice, for him, for all intents and purposes, that's his source of light and warmth. And it sort of sends out this glowing light underwater and it's the, our equivalent of daylight, for example. And But then we've got another fish, say, a few hundred metres away, when he looks up through the ice to see the sun, he sees a completely different hotspot apparition of the sun on a completely different part of the ice. And, you know, if it's a huge lake where well, you've got hundreds of different fish all looking up at hundreds of different variations of different parts of the ice seeing their own version of a hotspot of the sun. So now if we expand that to the flat earth model where we have the equivalent of a layer of ice, the firmament, some, some estimates say at least a good 70 miles above the surface of the earth. So every time we look up through it towards the actual sun, now the actual sun might be 100, might be 1,000, could be 50,000. We don't know how high the real true sun actually is. But however high it is, as we look up through this lens of the firmament, that is where we will see our personal hotspot apparition of the sun. So a person a thousand miles away looking up through the firmament to the sun sees a completely different hotspot apparition of the sun in a completely different spot. And yet everybody believes that that is the one and only true and actual sun. So that is where we have this huge problem where people of science try to measure things and try to say, well, if we triangulate it, well, we calculate it's 93 million miles away, which is completely inaccurate. Everything is where it actually appears to be. So we send up hot air um, or helium balloons with cameras attached to them. We can get up to about 130,000 feet is about the maximum we can get to. And that gives us a lot of information. Um, that works out to be about 23 miles off the top of my head. Um, the sun never appears to be all that much higher. So if it is 70 miles, well, that's a bit of an overestimate. Might only be 50 miles for all we know. Might only be 40. Might only be 30. But, you know, distance is very relative when it comes to you've got nothing to um, focus upon or to compare it to. There's no nothing else visual to be able to take an estimate from. So we just take a rough estimate and we look at what we can see. So the sun is not much higher than our 23-mile range. The earth down below, the horizon is always at eye level, of course. We see a thin blue layer, which is, for all intents and purposes, 
our blue sky. So when we're on the ground looking up through the through the blue light, that is all we see. We think we're just, you know, we think we're looking into infinity, but really we're not, we're only looking up about 10 to 15 miles maximum. That's where the blue sky limit is. And then of course the sun itself is merely an apparition much higher. And in between that is a huge black zone. So we have a lot to understand or to comprehend about the nature of light itself. It's not what we think it is. It is actually that blue layer is electrostimulated by the sun and causes it to glow much like an open air neon light bulb. And that is what gives us daylight. And it's, it works the same even if you believe in a globe because otherwise in the globe model, you've got the sun 93 million miles away, but it's streaming sunlight throughout the entire universe, obviously, and yet we still get night. So how can we have night if there's only a tiny shadow of the earth blocking all this sunlight? So obviously light itself doesn't exist even until it actually stimulates something or reflects off of it. And our atmosphere is what gives us daylight, which is not exactly sunlight. Sunlight will give a distinct true shadow, whereas daylight just gives a gentle, warm glow. It'll light up an entire room without any direct sunlight entering it. So once we comprehend our personal view of the sun is unique to us, so there's like 8 billion different suns at any given moment, um, depending on the time of day, I guess. and the nature of light is also unique to each and every viewer, like crepuscular rays, for example. No two people will see the same two crepuscular rays. So I think I'm sort of trying to get ahead of myself a bit here, but if we go back to the analogy of the fish looking up at the personal hotspot of the apparition of the sun on the ice, that is virtually how we are looking at the sun, which isn't actually the sun. The true sun is well above that. And so in the flat Earth model, as the sun goes around us, a huge circumference of about 25,000 miles, which is the same as the equator, it actually gets higher to create the seasons. As it gets higher, it appears to go in a smaller circle simply because it's further away. And that will give sun uh, summer in the northern hemisphere simply because the direct sunlight through the firmament um, is what creates the most direct light and most direct light causes the most heat. And then as the sun gets nearer to us, it appears to make a bigger circle, hence it appears to go south or outwards. And that's why we get summer on the outside, on the south side. And the diluted light coming in at an angle then isn't as strong. So therefore the inner side gets the winter. So that's our basic model with the seasons and sunlight explained. And I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. So those are the openings from our Flat Earth team. And, folks, we will kick it up to the top row, which is our Globe Earth team. And want to let you know, folks, we are thrilled you are here. Modern Day Debate is a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And we are fully neutral. So we only host debates at this channel. And so hit that subscribe button and that notification bell as well for a lot more juicy debates coming up in the future. And so with that... Globe team, thanks so much for being here as well. The floor is all yours. Thanks, James. <clears throat> right, tonight I'm not going to bore you all like I did last time with a 10-minute PowerPoint on navigation. <laughs> uh, my opening is going to be very simple. The evidence points that the Earth is a globe. 
navigation, satellites, GPS, shipping, airlines, uh, detections of earthquakes, locations, the moon phases, and so on. Uh, my main one is navigation, um, without going for the PowerPoint. That is the globe. On the globe, we've got longitude lines and latitude lines. When we take a navigation chart and compare the navigation chart with the globe, the, the lines on this all match up to this. Therefore, this is a two-dimensional representation of this. And it works. If you were to put all the navigational charts out flat, you would get that shape. And when you fold all these back, these corners back in, it gives you a globe, proving that this is a globe. Or we live on a star-shaped flat Earth. Uh, and that's basically my opening. Just a short one this time. All right, well, I guess that means I am up. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Dapper Dino. I have a channel. Uh, feel free to hop on by. And I, of course, am coming to you from the actual flat Earth, the one that is, in fact, centered on Antarctica. Because one of the curious things about the flat Earth model is that um, it fails increasingly as you go farther and farther away from the alleged center being the North Pole. And so it's very curious to me that we have Southern Hemisphere flat Earthers who don't have this model, but who stick with the Northern Hemisphere-centered model, which actually doesn't work at all. Because one of the earliest reasons that humans thought and eventually knew that the earth was round is actually because of navigation as Paul was saying, but not modern navigation necessarily, even very ancient navigation. Early sailors used things like theodolites to measure the angle between where they were, on the, where various stars were on the horizon and things like the, North, or the Northern Pole Star Polaris or the equator, or not the equator, sorry, the, the ecliptic of a celestial spe uh, sphere, but also when you get to the Southern Hemisphere, there's also the Southern Celestial Pole, which rotates in the opposite direction, if you're looking at it, to the Northern Celestial Pole. None of this actually geometrically works out in terms of angles if you're on a flat plane. You have to be on something that curves as you move over it to any significant difference. Now, the flat Earth model itself fails to account for anything with any actual predictability. The best that are, we get are these post hoc explanations that don't actually allow us to predict anything, especially not better than the globe Earth model. One of the most important things that science lets us do is find out what we should expect to happen in the future based on our scientific understanding. So for instance, in chemistry, if you have a good understanding of chemistry, you'll know not to mix chemicals A and B because there will be an explosion. Or you will know that if you undergo process C with these petroleum products, you'll get nylon, a very, uh, very uh, you know, handy artificial uh, fabric out the other end. Flat Earth has yet to be able to do this. No flat earther is out there telling me exactly when the next solar eclipse is going to be and where and why. Flat Earth can't even tell me where the planets are going to be if I look up in the sky. But the globe Earth model with the heliocentric solar system has been doing this with extreme precision for hundreds of years. And the globe Earth model with a modified geocentric was doing it with less precision, but still very high precision for thousands of years. The only way that the flat earth can work to make predictions about what is going to happen in the heavens is if you assume that the whole 
uh, firmament, if you will, itself actually rotates and part of it goes under the ground and comes back up, which is why all the ancient civilizations that believe in the flat earth actually believe that the sun came up out of some part of the earth, went up through the sky and then back down underground. But of course, that problem, which would solve the problem of predictions in the sky, comes up with a problem that doesn't allow for time zones. But all you have to do is look at this panel where we have people in the UK and Australia and in North America to know that time zones invalidate that option. Literally, the only thing you have to do to invalidate the flat earth is pay attention to how it looks when you're outside at night in two significantly different locations on earth. That's it. The entire thing fails. And what flat earthers have, like I said, is a bunch of post hoc rationalizations coupled with a near total incomprehension of all of modern science and the actual model that they purport to be attacking. There is actually no understanding. This is one of the reasons why when you actually ask people who know about the scientific aspects that Flat Earth tends to talk about, things like weather, astronomy, geography, even just basic math, the people who know about those things have trouble even comprehending what the Flat Earther is trying to get across. Because the Flat Earth model, it's not even wrong. It's not coherent. It is self-contradictory. It can't predict weather patterns. It can't predict anything. So all I would like really for the flat earth is just to do a couple things. Actually explain and predict observations in the real world to at least the degree of accuracy that the standard model would allow. And then also maybe as for bonus points, explain things like spherical excess or the fact that uh, lines of longitude continue to get closer together after crossing the equator. So if you're going from north to south, they start getting bigger and bigger, but then they get smaller and smaller again. And you don't have to be a NASA scientist or a fancy navigator to do this. All you need to do is to be able to use a astrolabe and sight the sun on various stars, be in the Southern hemisphere, just be in Australia, say, we have someone here who could do it, drive hundred miles in one direction. You don't even have to trust your car's odometer. You can take your own little mile marker and see what happens to both the time of day as well as the stars. And you can check all of these things, latitude and longitude on your own. You don't need to trust anyone. Yet flat earthers only ever seem to do it in the Northern hemisphere if they do it at all. So I don't really think I have anything else. It's just the entirety of the flat earth contradicts everything we see about reality. It fails to make any predictions and flat earthers themselves either are unable or unwilling to do any of the experiments that could either confirm or disconfirm their ideas. That's it for me. All righty. Well, um, I am Leophilius, otherwise known as Leophilius. Most people just call me Leo. I do have a YouTube channel. I tend to focus more on astrophysics, cosmology, and quantum mechanics. But when I got the opportunity to engage in a panel discussion, three versus three on the flat earth, I, I, I just, I had to do it. While this might sound rather boastful, I'm going to be quite honest. I, I don't feel that this is going to be a debate. I feel that myself and Paul and Dapper are going to spend the next roughly hour and a half to two hours educating three people who either A, are so illiterate and so incompetent that they can't actually understand all of the evidence for the earth being a sphere, or they know that it's a, it's a sphere. They know that they're wrong, but they'd rather be a Poe and troll on the internet for attention. Um, the thing is, is I could go on about all the evidence and all the reasons we know that the Earth is a sphere, but instead of doing that, I would just say, 
to anyone who thinks that the earth isn't a, a sphere or a spheroid, you don't have to pay attention to all the evidence that's out there. You can just do the experiments yourself. You don't have to pay attention that roughly, what, 1,300 years ago, Aristosthenes discovered that the Earth has some form of curvature on its surface because when he observed an obelisk in two different cities on the surface of the Earth, he noticed that at the same time of the day, the shadow that they cast was different, indicating that at two points on the surface of something with curvature would, would give that result. He actually paid somebody, I believe, to walk out what that distance would be and utilize that distance and the difference in the shadow to calculate within, I believe it was like 15 or 20% accuracy, what the curvature of the earth was. But you can ignore that. We could ignore all of the people, all of the sailors that have been sailing this planet for thousands of years and all of the methods they had to use to accurately navigate across the planet that involved the planet being spheroidal rather than flat. We could ignore all of that. We could ignore all of the pilots that have navigated this planet that have to utilize the same exact data that you would expect to observe if you existed on a planet that was a sphere and not some flat plane. We can ignore all of that. We can ignore time zones, which indicate that we are on a planet that orbits a star and that only one half of the planet roughly is receiving sunlight at any given time. We can ignore all of this data and just go out and do the experiments yourself. Try to sail from one point on the planet to another. Try to sail from Australia to Japan. And you will notice that the only way you could accurately do it is if you assumed that you were on a sphere. Try to fly from London to New York, and you will realize that when you want to plot out your path, you're going to have to assume that you are on a sphere. You can even ignore the fact that Einstein's general theory of relativity, one of the most accurate and most predictive models that humans have ever developed, tells us that the Earth is a sphere for the same reason every other planet humans have ever observed and every other star or black hole or neutron star or other subgalactic object that we have observed is a sphere or spheroidal because of the result of hydrostatic equilibrium between gravity pushing inward equally on every point on that object's surface and the resistive force of the matter that makes up that object pushing back outward, thus resulting in a sphere or a spheroidal object. We can ignore, we can ignore all of that. We can ignore all of the mathematical, the observational, and the experimental data, and you can just try to live in the real world utilizing a flat earth model, and you will find that every single time you will fail, and you will fail miserably. So I don't see this as being a debate. I, I see this as being, you can either admit that it's not that you don't have a model, it's that any model that you could bring that would substantiate your position is going to be wrong, or you can engage in what I would consider to be dishonest and or disingenuous interlocution trying to defend an obviously wrong worldview. Very interesting. Gentlemen, we are excited to go into the open discussion portion. Want to let you know, folks, our guests are linked in the description. So if you want to hear more, you can hear more from our guests. We really appreciate them. And so they're linked in the description, whether you are listening via YouTube or Twitch. We also put the links in the Twitch panels now for our guests. And also, if you're listening to Modern Day Debate via podcast, you can find the guest links in the description box for the podcast episode. So we are really excited to jump into this open discussion portion. And so, gentlemen, we assume you'll be your regular, polite, and respectful selves. And so thanks, gentlemen. I'm sure this will be high energy. The floor is all yours. I think we should start with the, the flat earthers who didn't go most recently. So You're saying we can have a... 
come back then. You give yeah, me I, would, I would like you guys to go first since we just yeah. spoke. Okay. Uh, well, me personally, I've uh, wrote down three bits. Uh, I think it was you, Dapper, that uh, said about an explanation of, was it spherical excess? The spherical excess, I said, would be a, a nice bonus that match the accuracy of our standard models for uh, almost anything to do with geography or astronomy. Okay, so can, can I take that, that spherical excess, the explanation of it? Go, go ahead. I would love okay. to hear an explanation. Um, spherical excess, as you understand it, would be um, an excess to the angles of a triangle. Correct. Um, i.e. a triangle having more than 180 degrees. Yes. Right, now, in uh, Euclidean geometry, there is a proof in mathematics, a lot of people will know that, that um, a triangle has 180 degrees. It also, it's the basis of trigonometry as used uh, practically um, for measurements of things. Um, so when they are uh, measuring just really quickly, triangles. Everybody in the chat is saying that the stream is buffering and it's buffering on my laptop. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing a buffer too. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it did come back a little bit. So it'll definitely improve. It, what I found out just recently. <laughs> I just found out that I can't tweak Zoom too much or it does this. So it will go back to normal uh, in about awesome. 10 seconds, if not already. Sorry about that, guys. That's good. That's all good. That's all good. All right. So, uh, sorry, Bev, what were you saying? So the, the triangles, there is a mathematical proof within mathematics, geometry. Um, stay in the triangles only have 180 degrees. Uh, now, when you are out and realistically at the top of a mountain triangulating positions. You are measuring angles, sighted angles from point to point, mm -hmm. uh, thus making straight sided just an angle, like a, a, any angle, measured angle has straight sides. So triangles have 180 degrees. So I would say to you, um, spherical excess is a triangle with more than 180 degrees and that is uh, impossible because there's a proof it's routinely measured in land surveying. sorry it's routinely measured in land surveying so if you say it's, it's they measure impossible. triangles with more than 180 degrees in land surveying you think that that routinely. actually happens yes because they report their results so if you want to say it doesn't happen it doesn't happen then it, you're going to have a mathematical to proof dapper no, there's You're a the one that's making proof. the claim. Not there's make. a proof for Euclidean space, but Euclidean space is not the way that surface geometry is going to be calculated on a non-flat surface. These and sighted angles, Dapper. Can I, can I make just a really quick statement? Most physics, especially once you start getting into advanced classical mechanics, and certainly once you're into rel relativity and quantum mechanics, you're not using Euclidean space times. When you're surveying in land surveying, yeah, you do. You use Euclidean well, in, yes, geometry. Yes, in land Absolutely. Surveying, yes, you do. yes, you do. That's why I specified what so, I said. I just wanted to make yeah. that clear. When well, that's what scale, we're doing. We're sighting triangles, right? As when, in surveying. Right. But when large scale land surveying is done and the results are put into tabulated tables, there is, in fact, actual spherical excess, excess reported in all large-scale land surveying. It's now, impossible. It's gr that's great that it's impossible. 
but that's what's reported. So what you need to do now is explain why it's reported, not repeat that it's impossible because it's happening. You can say all day that it's impossible, but if you actually look at the results of large-scale land surveys, they report- only have 180 degrees. Okay, so I'm just going to assume you don't have an explanation, which is great. Does anyone else- I do else? have a proof in mathematics that triangles have 180 degrees. You have a proof that in Euclidean space, that works. We're not working on a Euclidean space, and you don't have an explanation Can you for show the me then? Can you show me this, access. please? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I will pull up some reports with spherical excess. No, and then can you um, show me, please? I, I did also want to say really quickly that you're saying that it sounds like you're saying that spherical excess is something that's mathematically impossible under traditional assumptions in a flat Euclidean space. Yes. But and I'm reading this from Wolfram Math World. There's yeah. there's a theorem here that that's an equation that defines spherical excess. Yeah, it yeah, is. We're talking, we're talking about sighted triangles in in surveying. You go up to the top of a mountain, and you sight two points with a theodolite, and you measure the angle. You then go to the other point and do the same, and you do that three times. That's triangulation. You measure in three angles for a triangle. Those are sighted um, lines. They're straight lines. That's a triangle with 180 degrees. Of course. So that's that's how I'd explain that. Yeah, what's our intention? It's just to say that you can't measure straight. Sorry, let me say real quick. So if you're using triangulation, right, the only reason it will work is if the lines are straight. Now, if you try to triangulate three points, right, and you do this. And you curve these two points in any capacity, the triangulation will not work and you will not know where you are because of how triangulation works. So <clears throat> when you're saying, oh, we've got spherical excess, which is impossible because if the method you're using is to make a triangle and you make a triangle, it won't have spherical excess. Wait, so hold on. When you say it's impossible, what, what, what do you mean? What kind of impossibility are you referring to exactly? In reality, okay. like physical impossibility, metaphysical impossibility, oh. logical impossibility, because I I can give you literally the equation for it. So obviously it's yeah, not but equation is not reality. Um, so wait, reality. Hold on. Hold on. Really quickly. Can you tell me what an equation is? It's not. Can you hold the can you hold an equation in your hand? That's not that doesn't answer okay, my question. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can you tell me what an equation is? Hold on. Hold on. Reality. Now, when you say triangulation, now triangulation is not, not something you can hold. hold what you can hold is physical objects that are straight. And then when you measure those physical objects, they will adhere to certain laws, right? Like an equilateral triangle, they'll all be the same size. If you make one side bigger, they don't work like that. Okay. So when you start making shapes that aren't shapes, the laws in which reality works don't apply. You know what? I, I you know what? 100 percent. You're, you're you're correct. I'm not I'm not even going to try to disagree or get into things like Ramanian geometry. But yeah, you 100 percent. You're correct. I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me. I don't want to get caught up in 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 that discussion. I don't think it's relevant to the point. I mean, if geometry I is how we tell shapes. If you don't know, if you don't have the geometry to tell a shape, right? So if you don't know what a straight line is and you can't establish a straight line, then you can't say that another line is curved. And the line, you're, the the thing you're on is curved. So the first thing that comes is the establishment of the proofs in which we will use to determine yep. shape. We're not 100%. just going to assume 
We're not just going to go back and forth, flat earth bowlers, show me why, show, tell me, explain. We're going to be like, look, this is reality, yeah. and mm-hmm. let's use the reality to determine. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're 100% correct. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah, a, tri- a triangle on, on a globe, the sum of the angles of a triangle on a sphere is 108 degrees plus F, where F is the fraction of the sphere's surface. Uh, that is enclosed by the triangle for a positive value of F, this exceeds 180 degrees. So it does take into account that the um, the Earth is um, curved. Not sighted. Okay, so here are some sighted, sighted examples. Are, are we ready? So... In 2011, the USGS conducted some surveys of U.S. area and observed in numerous cases. This is the United States Geological Survey, correct? Right. The U.S. Okay, just United States it. Geological Survey, who periodically go around the United States measuring distances between various points to keep maps and geological um, survey, well, actually, you know, what's in the rocks, accurate for the entire United States because it's important for lots of things in science as well as uh, industry. So they measured actual spherical excess in this measurement in 2011, ranging from about half a degree to just over two degrees. Why did they do that? Are they lying? What What is the reason that when the USGS surveyors went around in 2011 in this report, and actually went around getting spherical excess numbers that are always positive, at 0.76 degrees, 0.78. Why is that? Are you suggesting that um, a triangle drawn on the surface of the ground will have I'm more than 180 degrees? That USGS surveyors who are identified as Elk, Taylor, Browning, and Dick. I'm, I'm just going off my measures that. So why is it that using high-precision theodolites, which is what the USGS does for their land surveying, that are accurate to within very small small fractions of an angle, why is it, if it's impossible, that it happened? You have to have an explanation. I haven't got a clue. Like It's geometrically impossible. I haven't got a clue how it happened. Well, it's not geometrically impossible if the Earth is actually a globe, because that's actually a requirement. No, of triangles only have 180 degrees. It, that's a pretty oh, simple oh, oh, the, off the top of my head. No. no. Well, you do that. You do that. I can't see the second thing you're holding up. Oh, you, you measure oh, the, cut out. the straight sides on the inside. But the, those don't form a triangle. That's those not form, a triangle. No, those straight sides that you're talking about aren't forming a triangle. They're no. forming... That's how you measure the angle, though. Okay, but that's not how you do it when you're land surveying, because you can't look through the Earth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I said straight line, line of sight, straight line, triangle, not curved. So then why is it that the USGS is reporting spherical excess? I don't okay, know. If the, U- if the USGS, okay. uh, if they reported that Santa Claus was real, we wouldn't, re- we, could, we could care less. Okay, so yeah, if your entire interesting, argument, but they're not. On, wait, 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 come on, don't interrupt. <laughs> if your entire argument is that somebody told me spherical excess, I believe the Earth is a ball, and we're sitting here with logic and demonstrations of how triangles have 180 degrees and are two-dimensional shapes, right? And when you bend them down, you move into the third dimension and are no longer using the rules in which they apply to, so all of your information will be wrong because they're based on not reality. You guys okay, don't so understand higher-order geometry, you know, do you? 
Uh, you'll also remember that when I finished my opening, I said that would be bonus points. In fact, none of my opening was really based on that. It was just something extra that I would really like would be an explanation for spherical access. Well, it's just the first what point I always wanted yeah. to bring up. But again, I have yet to hear an actual explanation as to why spherical excess is always reported, other than conspiracy, which is not an explanation that can simply stand on its own. You have to demonstrate that there's I've never reported uh, triangles having more than 180 degrees. I've I never have. seen your paper reporting your work in uh, surveying, but I would be very curious to see when you do, in fact, get a team of flat Earth surveyors out and uh, go do some proper <laughs> controls to, to actually go see what, what you guys measure. Do you mean flat Earth surveys? I've told, said at the beginning, just reality, right? I just come from reality. I will, yeah, will, I will use surveying reality. techniques and methods because um, it is reality. Okay, well, when you guys get together, do your surveying and write up a paper, that'll be really interesting. And I will make sure to read it. And I'm sure that there will be plenty of people who go out and reproduce the experiments and see if they get the same numbers. It's That'll be fascinating. Dude. Until it, then, it, it, it'll be science, is what it'll be. Yeah, until you actually do that experiment. It's geometry. All the measurements we have of any significant distance on the Earth include measurements of spherical excess. Now, you guys don't have an explanation. That's fine. Go Wait, come back and get one. Distance? Are these distances? Are, are you taking a straight line in between these two distances? They're sighted, so unless there's significant atmospheric problems, which they will account for and usually not measure on those days, yes, they are within that margin of error, yeah. a straight so line a from one to another. Hold on, hold on. Bro, hold on. Oh, a distance, a if I have a distance, like if we're talking the distance between two points, are you going to use anything but a straight line and the shortest distance between them to get a distance? Can, wait, hold on really quickly. Can, can I ask a question? Well, this is a pretty big point here, man. This can is a I ask point. a question? Yeah, and I, that's why I want to ask a question. What, um, what kind of manifold are these two points defined on? What do you mean, manifold? They're in 3D He's asking space. Okay. In, in 3D space, but what kind of manifold are we talking about? The 3D space is the manifold, up, down, left, Yeah, right. but what's you the have structure of that? that manifold? I do. All right, one second, yeah, because that's what we use. I just wanted to make sure that Flat Earth Rossi got a chance to speak now that we finally got him back. So go ahead, Flat Earth Rossi, the floor is all yours. Thanks, James. I was just trying to add my two cents in to the actual discussion quite a bit there because they're talking about navigation, which, as we all know, was traditionally done with compasses and the observation of Polaris, which Polaris happens to align with the North Pole star. And everything in navigation was related to Polaris because it's the only fixed star, as we notice, all the other stars revolve around it. And so these navigators, that's what a latitude line is on a map, is a circle. It's drawn with a compass and it's measured with a magnetic compass. That's how you draw circles. So anybody trying to draw a circle based on navigation, they're, they're using a compass. That's what the east-west line is. It's a circle. But if you can try to do a triangle, then how are you going to measure a straight line in any distance apart from exactly north-south? North-south is the only straight lines you'll get using a compass, using any form of navigation that they've known traditionally. So anytime they try and make a triangle, the only way they're going to know a straight line is by going in a big curve. So when you make a triangle from three distinct points using one straight line and two curved ones, well, the angles won't add up to 180 degrees. 
That's what I'm trying to say right from the beginning. Thanks. Yeah, but we're agreeing the watt add up to 180 degrees because of the curvature. And other than the equator, other than the equator, no line of latitude is something you can follow without turning. This was the point I was trying to bring up with uh, uh, right the hand is that you can have two points on a manifold, but the minute there's curvature in that manifold, you no longer use a line to define the shortest path between those two points. You use what's called a geodesic. And these are used all the time in Ramanian geometry, where a triangle can certainly have three angles to add up that add up to more than 180 degrees. Wouldn't the straight line go through the ball? No. Okay, so we had a ball. Okay, hold on. I got a, I got a, I got a ball here. Now, I could build a bridge over it, right? Now, that bridge would be curved, right? Yeah. And I can drill a tunnel through it. That'd be a straight line, right? Yes, it would. Okay, so when you say a straight line on a sphere is following the surface of the sphere, you're wrong. The straight line would be like the radius or the diameter, right? That's not what I said. Okay, so when so you can't go, you can't have a straight line on the surface of a sphere. That was my point. Okay, so wait, wait, hold on. What? You can't well, have a straight you, line. If you on had the a straight line, wouldn't it go off the sphere? If the line were tangent, yes, yes. It no, would. no, if it was curved and not straight. If if the line was curved, well, wouldn't it have to curve to follow the ball? To follow the surface geometry, yes. Okay, so then it's not straight. Depends on the geometry. So what I'm getting here is that I, I think we have uh, a, a group that doesn't actually understand topology in the mathematical sense. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, so I, I, I would like to I'd like to find out. So can I get um, the basic facts then, just just a quick one. Well, um, I, I want to find out if we know enough about about um, topology for. We want for this to do the basics. I want I want to make sure we have uh, this, a this direct understanding of the very basics of it. I've angle. been talking about the basics, and I don't think anybody's been following so, me. This so, time. angle. Can we can we get an angle is between two straight lines? What the angle is between two? Yes, straight an angle is the measurement in between two straight lines. Well, and. Uh, uh, wait, what? Can you say that one more time, please? I'm sorry. An angle is the um, uh, inclination between two straight lines. Imagine a circle. No, I, I mean, I know what an angle divide is. Divide it into 360, and each me. one of the angles would be a division between two radius lines. Wait, are you talking That's about what an angle? Is, about, right? Wait, you're talking about radians. I'm talking about an angle. Yeah, like like radians, like two me straight like, lines. Never, never, never mind. Never mind. I guess I'm out of my depth. <laughs> I don't know what. No, we're I talking about the angle, dude, not the circumference, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can address another part well, that Dapper Dino brought up about navigation, yeah. because he's saying that yeah, they've been navigating for thousands of years using what they call planar uh, planetary geometry. Whereas that doesn't work that way at all. As I said, if you're drawing latitude lines in ever-increasing circles around a centre point, the North Pole, then that's why they keep on expanding. But this is why when they say they get to the equator, things go pear-shaped because they no longer match their expectations. And the reason for that is because they've lost their focal point, which is Polaris. The Polaris was always Wait, their focal point. When you, say, when you say pear-shaped, what do you mean? Yeah. 
Well, because as soon as you get so far away from Polaris, like anything else that disappears due to distance and perspective, is the further you get away from something, the lower it gets. It doesn't mean you're going over a curve. It just means that visually it appears to get lower and lower, which is how the sun sets. It's getting further away. So you're getting further away from Polaris till you reach the equator, which is the point they've drawn on their charts, a big circle around the North Pole, which is where Polaris disappears from view. So that's why measurements get pear-shaped because they've lost their point of reference. They have to start using something else. And uh, as, are a you using that, as a result of Polaris disappearing, that is when they believe they disappeared over a curve. This is ancient superstitious people thinking that convergence of perspective means curvature because it's gone below the horizon. It hasn't gone below, it's so- just disappeared. So, Ross, why don't you use navigation tools from antiquity, which are available? You can simply get them. Uh, learn well, I'm how Australian to use them. and I can't see Polaris, and I'm not into ah, ocean wait, you can why see the southern celestial pole, but that is a good question. Why can't you see Polaris? There is no southern celestial pole. Why, can't, why can you not well, then, see Polaris? Yeah, well, those are both good As questions. I explained to you, once you get a certain distance away from anything, even if it's a, a pole star, it's going to disappear that's, from view. That's, that's, not, that's not necessarily true. That is not necessarily true. The stars do the same thing. Everything no, they don't. obeys the laws of perspective. Of course no, they, they do. What are the laws, they do obey the law of perspective. Hold on. What are the laws of perspective? The laws of perspective means if you get further away from something, it appears to get lower if it's really high up above you. Otherwise, it, it no, uh, that's a description. What's the thing. law? The law... Well, it's all a visual law, isn't it? No, no. Like, for instance, if I gave a law of motion, I might say force equals mass times acceleration, and then I could measure each of those with units. What is the actual law of perspective? Not a physical measurement of a force. We're talking just about a visual. Well, it's not a law. Yeah. Of being able to see. We're talking about science here. In science, laws are equations. If you don't have an equation, you don't have a law. No, equations are just wizardry. We don't need wizardry. Wait, hold on. What, what do you mean equations are wizardry? Wait, no, hold on. Okay, really quickly. Can I ask you a question? Just a very, very simple question. Does, that is, is question. Hold on. Is, is two plus two equals four a true statement or not? Two plus two what? Does two plus two, two equal apples, four? Two oranges, does that equal four apples? Does, no, two, plus, does two plus two abstract. equal four? You're talking abstract Why are stuff you not answering the question? Because two plus two what? Why because does that you're, matter? you're confusing him with your sorcerer's ways. No, you're talking abstract stuff. Of Wait, do you, think that you think math is not abstract? I'm saying it is abstract. Because, yeah, it's very you know, abstract, of course. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. If you've got two lemons plus two oranges, you don't have four apples. Yeah, but you, you still have four, right? You still have four, four objects? Things. Yeah, you still have four yeah. objects. So two exactly. things plus two things will give you four things, right? Correct. Okay, so you two plus two have, equals four. You could just say you don't have four things. You have one individual unit, one individual unit, one individual unit, and one individual unit. Now, Which I'm glad that we've changed two plus two to one plus one plus one well, plus one, but it still ends up equaling four. <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly. It's, hold on. When, you, when you're saying math, right? Now, when you say one is a description of like A, A would be in algebra, A would be a unique thing. Okay, one, would if you're describing coefficient. Right, and describing another unique thing and add them together and don't get a new thing, you can't label it a new thing. So when you say one plus one equals two, one pile of sand and one pile of sand equals one pile of sand. So you're just talking in abstract number theory. 
You're not proving anything of the world, but if Wait. this makes you, you feel better, then then go for it. We're trying you, to establish uh, the shape of the earth. Can I try, try to conceptually describe how many grapefruits I have on my table? Can I ha can I ask you a quick question? Do you, do you know what mathematical logic is? Do you know what is the definition of mathematics? What is that? That's not what I asked you. Do you know well, what? How mathematical am I supposed to know what lo the logic of what? You said mathematical logic. That means the logic yeah, yes. of what? <laughs> I asked you what mathematical logic is. You're Dude, asking, yeah, the logic of what? I don't know. Well, you're saying logic. I, logic doesn't need something behind it. Unless <laughs> it's illogical. So you have logic and you have illogical. So when you put so, so wait, logic, logic doesn't require logic axioms? Does, no, logic doesn't need, what are you going to say? You have uh, Shakespearean logic? Right. No, there's right. logic. Right the hand. And then there's do, illogic. Right the hand. Do, I want to so give I have a question. chance to respond. And then Can, uh, one, what I want to do as well is Paul has been patiently waiting. And so uh, given especially Paul's interesting background as a pilot, after Leo uh, has a response here, I'm hoping to hear from Paul if you have anything, Paul, on your mind. Go ahead, Leo. Um. So right the hand. Just a really quick question. Do you know what the difference between classical and non-classical logic is? You're just making stuff up right now. Okay, no, I'm literally not. The, like, the, the, okay, you can you think, actually okay, take just, graduate level courses in like classical great. and non-classical logic that's great. at that's universities. Great. That there was, that's great you think there's two logics. There's logic, <laughs> which is based on reality, and then there's illogic, which means it's not reality. I don't, okay, I don't, so I don't, I don't know what to say at this point. The statement is either logical or it's illogical. There's not degrees of logic depending on your bias or graduate degree. Sorry, man. Well, no, Let's but there, from, there are different types of logic, yes. Paul, what have you got? If you have anything, Paul, I don't want to force it. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to address what Ross was saying about the um, North Star. Um, yes, once you get below the equator, you can't see the North Star, but sailors um, back in about the 1700s, they used to use the Southern Star, which is Polara, Polaris Australis, or something along them lines. So they used to navigate by that. You live in Australia. You are in the perfect position to test whether the navigational charts follow the globe. Because if you get a navigational chart, your, long, your longitudinal lines will get narrower, narrower as they go south. Our longitudinal lines get narrower as they go north. So if you get the navigational charts for Australia and check that out, that will follow exactly what is on the globe, and them lines will match up exactly where they are on in, in Australia. Well, that sounds reasonable by way of ancient superstitious navigation of things, but no, that's a navigation reality, that is used today. In reality, there is no southern pole star that you call it. It's actually called Sigma Octantis, and it's right. not visible to the naked eye, and it's allegedly supposed to line up in some fashion with the Southern Cross. Now, I say yeah. the Southern Cross every night of the year, all year round, in roughly the same position. Its angle does change. But what doesn't change Why? is that by the morning, when I see it in the southeast, when it first comes into view at, at dusk, is that by morning, when it starts getting bright enough, the stars disappear, it's over to the far west. Now, on the flat Earth model, that works perfectly well because all the stars rotating around Polaris means that because we have time zones and time zones are... Um, ruled over by the sun, wherever the sun is directly overhead is your local 12 p.m. And so as it takes 24-hour segments to go right around the whole world, the other half of the world is in night. And so as the stars are basically working in unison with the sun, that means that the other southern continents will see the same stars that we see during their local nighttime. So for me to see it going to the west is exactly what you'd expect to see of all the stars 
rotating around Polaris above the stationary planet Earth. The only reason they appear to be going in the opposite direction is because in the south, we have our back to Polaris and we're looking at them in the different direction. So when you look at anything rotating around above you, if you turn around and look the other way, it will appear to be going the opposite direction, but they're all still going the same but way. It won't have so an additional thing. rotational pull unless you're looking at a 3D object with more sides than would be available to a hemisphere, which is all a dome over a flat Earth can be. You need to have an entire sphere of the Earth in order to have two rotational poles. Otherwise, what you would see, as you would see, if you look at my animation here, where I'm centered on the South Pole, if you were standing far north in Alaska and looking at the stars, you would simply sweep, see them sweep across the sky with no rotational pole other than the North Star. Or actually, in this case, it would actually be Sigma Octantis, because I have this centered in a way that actually makes sense for the Southern Hemisphere on Antarctica. But you've got the now, sun going the wrong way. No, I don't. It is actually still going east to west. But okay. if you actually look at the rotation of the actual sky and the objects in it from the Southern Hemisphere, they rotate to your vision the opposite direction, which is what I've got going but that's not the way I see them. I see them going from east to west as oh, well. Oh, I might, I might have an X mirrored because of my uh, software. Let me, let me, let me fix that. Sorry, that might be the case. I might have an X mirrored. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's well, coming yeah, that's, that's coming You just got them going from right to left, whereas I see them going as I'm looking south. From yeah, but you're right. looking up. You're looking up in real life. Uh, you're currently well, looking down at exactly. my map. So yeah, oh, it is going to be reversed. Yeah. So we. The thing is, it's not hard to figure out a geometry that works with the sky. It's really not very hard. The sky is, a is what's called a celestial sphere. It's called that because celestial means heavenly, and the things in the sky are, you know, according to lots of conceptions from the ancient world, the heavens is what you call them. And it's a sphere because you can map every fixed star to a particular location on the sphere, and they yeah, all rotate together You can call it a sphere, the thing is, it's not just the thing, it's not named arbitrarily. It's named because every single object on that sphere has a particular location on the sphere that it always appears on in the same relation uh, angularly to all the other stars on the sphere. These are not the planets of the sun or the moon. Well, that makes a mockery of the globe model, though, doesn't it? Because no. you're saying that no, the, the... it depends the on the globe model. The Earth is racing around the sun. Yeah, it goes about 1.6 million miles every day as the sun is moving itself half a okay. million miles an hour. So all the angles of all these stars means that you are saying that every single visible star is moving exactly the right amount, right okay. speed, right angle, no. right velocity. So no one that's all not around what's Russ, Russ. So let's say the Earth moves 1.6 million miles in a day, right? How yeah. far is it to Proxima Centauri, which, according to the standard model, is the closest star? That's uh, about 70 miles, the same place every star appears, because that's where every. No, I said according to the standard model. I don't, I don't, it's great that you have a different answer. But according to the standard model, how far away is it? I really wouldn't know because I've grown up from childish fantasies. You tell me how many billions and trillion miles. miles. Hold on. Right. So, I do want to hear a response. So just to be sure that we're not cutting each other well, off. Well, the, the response was, I don't know. Well, oh, um, yeah, it's well, 25 we, trillion we, miles. We do trillion wanna, miles. I, listen, I don't like that. So just if I, if I say okay. we need to hear a response from somebody, yeah, we need to fine. hear them finish. And they'll do the same for you. And I'll make sure that that's the case. 
So Ross, 25 billion miles, who measured that with what tape measure, what what laser measurement device? How did they actually measure this? You know, this is what I'd like to know. You tell me who came up with this measurement and how they did it. Okay, well, Ross, that's a separate question. Right now, we're trying to get at why it is that the lack of a, the relative lack of apparent uh, change in the location of the stars throughout the year relative to each other is in fact not a problem for the standard model. Now we can because figure out how- Because you had to engineer this standard model of billions and trillions of miles to explain the lack of visual parallax, which doesn't maybe, need to be made up if you understand maybe, that all the stars move as one body around Polaris. Maybe, but we are still at the point where we're explaining the actual model as it exists. Because here's the thing, this is to all the flat earthers out here, not just on this panel. If you want to attack a scientific model, you have to first understand it. And it is evident that Ross here does not. I understand your model perfectly, mate. That's why- Do you think that there should be a difference in visual angle between us and Proxima Centauri after one day traveling 1.6 million miles when the actual distance to it, according to the model, is over a trillion miles. Well over. According to the model. So that means you have to make up this fantastic belief in order to explain away. Even if that's what we're doing. Even, even if that's what happened, Ross. Even if that's what happened. Even if you what really happened was we just made it up. Look, Ross, you really even, believe. All right, even if it were made up. Sorry. All right. Uh, let's hear from uh, Dapper, and then I promise okay. we'll come right back to you, Ross. Uh, go ahead, Dapper, and we'll let you finish, and then we'll come over so to So the Ross. point here is. Even if it were made up, even if someone just pulled these numbers become out of nothing because they helped the model work, it still means that your supposed objection to it fails because the model predicts what we actually see. Now, if you want to have a separate discussion as to how this distance to celestial objects are measured, that's great. But what it still means is your objection that the night sky doesn't sufficiently change based on the heliocentric model is incorrect. The heliocentric model accurately predicts the location from day to day of every star and planet in the sky. That's all I have. Well, there you go there. You're saying that it accurately predicts it, but you're based upon a false notion which you refuse to acknowledge is the most important reason why you have this belief in the first place because you can't tell me who did it and how they did who it did what? you just believe they did it and you have to have a belief blind faith in this model for it to actually work for you whereas we can see with our own eyes we can't see trillions and trillions of miles away we can only see a short distance we can see maybe 100 miles if you're lucky with the naked I, eye i routinely see so, mo many trillions of miles no, yeah, you don't. We, you yes, you we believe do. you do because that's what you've been told to believe, but you cannot see that far. Yes, we can. If, if that light was traversing that much distance, then the entire night sky would be absolutely super illuminated by all the light of all the different stars no, it and wouldn't. Why? at all given moments. Why would you just why? see tiny dots then? The light, the whole night sky wouldn't be illuminated. Like they no. vanished into nothingness. It would be pure blackness or it would be pure white, bright no. lit everywhere. Well, Ross, are you, are you unaware of the inverse square law as well as the fact that there's a cosmic horizon? The inverse the only square law would end up invisibility. The, I'm sorry, say that again. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. The inverse square law would render them into invisibility immediately. It's too far. Right, which is it's why things that are too far away are in fact dim. But things that are extremely bright and not too far away are visible. And not too far away, given how bright some of these objects are, turns out to okay. be many trillions of miles. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you brought up the inverse square law. You tell me how it works. Does this mean that if I've got a bright torch one foot away from me and I move it two feet away from me, it's only half as bright? Where does this inverse square law... No, it'll be about a quarter be? as bright. At what distance? It's a quarter as bright two feet away. Yeah, because you're if you're doubling the distance, you, then you have doubled squared for the brightness. So, or, yes. sorry, for the decrease so in brightness. So by the time I've moved it 20 feet away, it should be completely black. And yet you can see it. No. A torch. No. So it's... So if, if you move it 20 feet, you've moved it 20 times, right? So what is 20 squared? 400. What's the point? So if it's 400 times as dim, is that zero? Pretty much. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's measurable. Short. Yeah, it's definitely measurable. It appears to be the tiniest little dim spark as no, opposed to the bright. That's do, you, do, you under, do you understand how bright objects in space-time are? If, if you could rank stars on a scale from one to seven with seven, hold on, with seven being the brightest and one being the dimmest, the sun would be a three. Look at how bright the sun is during the day. Take an object that's 1,500 times as bright as that and put it 2,000 times further, and you will still be able to pick up that object in the night sky. Are you so saying that's not the statement? Is the sun not the brightest thing we know? Are you are you going to say no. there's something the, the brightest object? The brightest object that we've ever measured? No, that would be a quasar that's like okay. 900 trillion times as bright as okay, the sun that I'm lies asking, about 13 billion light years away. Who, who's the you there? I'm sorry. I'm uh, who? Leah Phyllis. You okay. yourself. You've seen something million, uh, tens or twenty times brighter than the sun. Yes. Or is this just a story somebody told you and you're believing? No, no. I've I've seen it. I've seen the pictures of it. What is you've seen with your own eyes? Oh, you've seen a picture of it. Was of the course. picture brighter than? Hold on. Was the picture that you saw so bright it burned your eyes, or was it not as bright as the sun? Wait, is that how you think pictures work? No, no. Well, hold on. How do you think brightness works? You told me you saw wait, something. But you think on. the way hold the on. brightness wait, 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 works wait, 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 in wait, reality translates? No, no. Time out, time out. Let me get this out. Let me get this out. You said I've seen something a hundred times brighter than the sun. Much and then brighter. you said, look at this picture on this piece of paper, which is not nearly as bright as the sun. And I'm of course going, not. It's, well, so then you, you didn't see something brighter than the sun. You saw well, yeah, we a did. picture and then you believe, <laughs> you believe that picture somewhere out in your imagination land, there's something brighter than the sun. So but the universe reality, is imagination we land now? Well, the sun is in reality. The thing yeah, the sun is in the universe, seen, yes, hold on, hold on, as hold is on. the Earth. And, and yeah, and that thing you've said you've seen is, is a quasar seen. that's also in the universe. And, yep. and it's brighter and can, than the sun? Yes, it is. We can and measure so it. That's why I we see the sun. We can measure its that's intrinsic what? luminosity and the amount of electromagnetic radiation that it emits is 900 trillion times more than what the sun emits. Yes. Okay, so you're telling me, what you're telling me is that some, some little speck in the night sky is brighter than that gigantic illumination ball that comes during the, the daytime. That's your argument, and I'll argue with that. That's a, it's a good one, though. Yeah, yes, but uh, obviously, given that it's 13 billion light years away, <laughs> it's not going to appear in the night sky as bright as the sun. Okay, but so if, if, the earth, if the Earth were the same distance away from that object that it is from the sun, that object would be 900 trillion times brighter than the sun is. Yeah, and yes. if, 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 but in reality, so without the ifs. No, in we, reality, we, because we've seen I'm, I'm it and me, we've me, measured it. Okay, wait, wait. So we, we're measuring brightness, okay? Now, I measure the brightness of the sun. It's off the freaking charts. Now, we go at nighttime. Really and not. See, hold yeah, on, it's hold not on. at all and off the charts. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this out. Come on, guys. Guys, guys, come on. Shh, 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 shh. 
I, I can be the only excited one. If you got too many people excited, it goes crazy. So I measure the sun, right? And the reading is off the chart, right? Then at nighttime, there's this little speck and we get a reading and it's barely, it's, 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 a, it's a dimple. And you're going, you see that dimple? That's nine trillion times the sun. And I'm going, bro, I think you've been sold some, some magic beans. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you, do you know what the term intrinsic luminosity is? Bro, do you know what reality luminosity that is? That doesn't that's answer a, my that's question. A no, do you know? That's a no. Do you know what the term intrinsic <laughs> luminosity means? You're creating brightness that isn't there in your imagination. You're I'm, I'm only going to try one more time, and, and, and more for the audience than anybody. Just pay attention to this. He's not answering the question. I'm going to try one more time. Do you know what intrinsic luminosity is? Okay, you're kind of doing, don't interrupt, please. Let me, I'll answer you. You're doing that thing again that you did with logic. Luminosity or brightness doesn't need anything in front of it. Okay, hold on, hold on. When you're saying this thing is bright, okay, that's how we measure how bright it is. Now you say, well, it's further away. It's, you know, when we're talking about the brightness, which is a visual aspect, okay, visually, the sun is brighter than anything we've ever seen. Now you're converting brightness into a formula and then making the sun the least bright thing in the in the sky. That's insanity. That's the wizardry of mathematics. Wait, what the least bright thing? First of all, not only do you not know what intrinsic brightness is, you seem to think that we think the sun is the least bright thing in the sky. It's not even close. <laughs> I I am see this this is what I, I meant when well, I, I didn't said say in my anything opening. About distance. I said nothing about distance. I this, said brightness. This okay, is what now, I said if this brightness is, is related to distance. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're going to try and convince me. <laughs> Something that is barely visible in the night sky is brighter than the sun. And Just how you're because going it's to, far away. Well, that's you. But you, okay. When you say, but it's far away, that is you saying this thing is not as bright as the sun, but I believe it is. No. Brighter, but no. it's further away. No. <laughs> you do, you do okay, realize so exactly. If you look at the sun and how bright the sun is now and then move it trillions and trillions of miles away, it's going to look dimmer, but it exactly. is still going to be the same can brightness you, as it was when it was sun? close to us. It's to do with the distance. Yes, can you move exactly. the sun? Can you yes. move the sun? The sun is, the sun is example, moving right If now. you could move the sun that distance, it would be dimmer, but it would still be the same how amount of luminosity. Can you do that to confirm? Yes, we can. We already have you done it. Astronomers do it. You're telling Wait, me you can what? move the sun and confirm. Confirm what? How do you know what the sun will look like seven trillion miles away? Are you just because using we can, imagination? Because we can look smaller at, and dimmer. Because we can look at stars. We can look at stars that are of the same relative brightness and measure their distance and learn what the sun would look like since it would have the same relative brightness as the stars is. We can then figure out what the sun would look like if it were that distance away. This is how we measure objects in space-time. Okay. Do you know what we can also do? When you say figure out, that means I'm going to look at the sun, then I'm going to take a piece of paper, and I'm going to take a piece of pen, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this, and then after about a minute, I'm going to say that thing in the sky that isn't as bright as the sun is brighter than the sun. Well, you're being a bit hyperbolic with how no, easy you think. Excuse, please don't over talk me. You do. You're being a bit hyperbolic with how simple you think the mathematics is done. Uh, it's not done that simply, but essentially, yes, that's what's done. Most objects that we measure in terms of their brightness in space-time, we measure against the sun. It's the sun is the standard for our our conventional system. Excuse me. Can I just say something here? This is a, a flat Earth debate, is it not? 
And yet here we are talking about the lights in the ceiling. Like we don't look at the lights in the ceiling to determine the shape of the floor we're standing on, do we? So we can look at the stars and the sun and all the discuss its brightness as much as we like, but this is really getting off topic about actually about I can and look at the lights in the ceiling. Even level. in a room, even in a room, I can use the lights in the ceiling without ever looking down to determine the shape of the room, as long as I'm able to measure the angles to them and notice how they change as I move across the room. It's actually not, not very calculus. hard to use. Yeah, it's not very hard to use. Just, you don't even need calculus for that. All you need to do yeah, is most observation points are stationary. You're moving so around you know, to different locations. If you have a, yeah. if you have a ceiling, and you move to different locations, and you measure the angles, you can get an actual in three D map of the ceiling, and then based on that, you can backtrack to where you are in the room and measure the shape of the room without ever having reference. Well, to and the determine room. that the floor curves. Is that what you're saying? That by if measuring the floor curves, talk about yes. that place, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. If the floor does curve. You can determine that. Yes. On a desk and shine a, a, a lamp above them and get heaps of different angles of shadows, and I can use a mathematical formula to prove how spherical my desk is. It doesn't no, prove that my you can't. Can. You can't do it with a flat desk. Now, if you had a curved desk and you actually moved a camera if I have a flat desk and I have a fixed lamp above it and I line up a pile of just say batteries, stand them up end to end, end on their, on their end from one side of the table to the other, and I measure all the different angles of the shadows, I can use a mathematical formula to prove that that desk is spherical. So it doesn't prove anything. It just proves that you've got a local light source and cast different angles of shadows on different things. So here's the thing, Ross. You say that you could do this. I say you can't. But the simplest thing to do would simply be to do it. Get a desk, get a lamp, get a camera, get something you can use to help measure angles, and do the experiment, and then publish your results, and then let other people check the simple protractor. You can use a a simple protractor to measure the angles. Okay, why have a formula? Oh, why why would I? Because it's ridiculous. You know, well, I understand. That you think, but you're saying it proves your point. So why would you not have done that experiment that you're claiming proves the point that you're trying to make? Because just, it's already been done. David Hustle did it, and he proved that we have a new local sun. He didn't no, prove wait, that the sun was did, three million Aristosthenes, miles away. Aristosthenes proved that the surface of the Earth is is curved, that it's convex. No, he proved no, that yes. different places, yes, he did. different places, will have different angles of the sun on the same yes, day because, because the, the surface of the earth is curved yes you are correct I would think no. I different be angles that's because that's you're re- because the angle of incidence changes yes yep so you're saying the desk is curved to give different angles from each different battery from a fixed light source at the same time uh, no it's different on a curved surface you are saying that no, no, leo can we just can i just sorry can i just ask leo um how did Aristosthenes come up with uh, spherical geometry well, when it didn't I, exist? I don't think spherical geometry was invented by Aristosthenes. He used simple trigonometry. Hmm. That, um, that's with when, triangles when you, when with you 180 about, degrees, like I keep saying, Euclidean geometry. Of you course. can't curve those lines in triangles. What, you don't need to to determine that the Earth is curved. Okay, well, can, can I... Like, trigonometry has straight edges. How can, can we you go back to that base? Okay, that hold the, on. The can next I, point can, I wanted to go to. So, uh, no, re- really quick here, Bev, because this will help make my point. You you, you see the, the curve in the second image you have there in green where it says hump? You see that curved line that you have? Can yeah. you can you draw a secant line through that for me, please? It's there. The bit where draw- it says hump. 
Yeah, no, no, the, the, the line. Wait, the see curve. that little bit there? It's where it says yeah, hump. That's the, that's the bit above the horizontal no, that I, is I'm, set by the I'm, water level. I'm trying, I'm trying to make a point. equilibrium. I'm trying to make a point here. The, the curved line under which the word hump is written. Yeah, see that, that little line? It's already yeah, there. Okay. That's the, that's I'm not asking about it. I'm asking a question. Can you, draw, can you draw a secant line through that? Through, through there, that curved that line. Drawing there is a uh, hydrostatic. Can, can you draw a equilibrium for me? Line there. Already. Do you understand what I'm asking you? What do you want to do it? I I I I can, but you, it's gonna take a second. A quick, do us a quick drawing then. Um, it's gonna take a second so somebody else can go while I get it set up. Okay, well, that's what I wanted to go to was the because uh, you said something earlier about hydrostatic equilibrium, yes, I did, a curve or something. But that's um, the water level is establishing uh, a horizontal plane of reference, right? That's a level horizontal is a straight line, right? No, it's, um, it's, it's no. level with the surface of the earth, yes, yeah. whatever the shape of what the earth is, means. that is the shape of level. So, yes. saying that water is level provides you with no help. You still have to go out and no. actually measure Gather. things. What I said was a water level okay. is a tool for establishing a horizontal plane of reference, as is all tools that are called level. They okay. establish a horizontal plane that is parallel to that of the plane of the horizon. All yep. horizontals are parallel to the plane of the horizon. That is how they're defined. And your your horizontal on different locations will depend on the shape of the Earth. If the Earth is in fact flat, then yes, all horizontals <laughs> will be parallel. If it isn't, water level it just proves that wrong. Water no. level just proves that level is universally level. That's why we use the term. Of course it's universally level. level. But the question is whether or not so level curves. Horizontal. It doesn't care. That's right. Why not? How and do you it know? It's a horizontal plane of reference. It's easily provable, as is every time any surveyors ever do a job. That's what they use. Except except you don't believe surveyors, because when I report to you the actual finding of surveyors, you just tell me that it's wrong and don't give me an explanation. So please, you did just say those surveyors. let Let me finish. Please don't come to me with surveyors when you think that either. They're just making stuff up or they're lying or I don't know. But you apparently think that surveying is just nonsense. So I don't know why you're trying to use it on me. But the fact is that whether or not level is curved depends on the shape of the earth. So saying that it's level doesn't do anything. It's agnostic to the shape of the earth. Pointing out that level exists helps neither you nor me. You have to actually do some actual out in the real world measurements which okay, is can i can i answer that now point. or are you just gonna yeah, sorry um level is horizontal right Proving. that's it's not a something you have to prove it is an established fact um is it yes definitions of level don't actually prove that or demonstrate that fact Re- really quickly how would just you level to... a circle could you level a circle could you level um in in a sense yes um i am sharing okay. my screen I don't know if, if James can see it or not, but and I can explain how, how you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can be at a set level above a circle. In relation to a water level, how can we do this? So you can't level a circle because level is an orientation and 
being straight between two points, right? So this is straight, but not level. A curve cannot be level. So to level something is to make it straight, not to make it round, okay? No, you could be leveled to the surface of the earth. So you could follow the curvature of the earth and stay at that level. So just if, like if an you aeroplane, hired a handyman, just, like just like an airplane, when it flies not, across it, the surface of the earth, hold, hold it stays on. at a set level to the surface of the earth. R really quick, right the hand. Do you know what a tangent line is? A line to a circle. Well, no. A line to a circle. That's I mean, part of it. It's really rudimentary, but so it's a straight line. It touches here, the curve here, at one point only. Yep. Here on my screen, we, we we have a curve. I've got, say, a point on that curve. And what I can do, and this is going to be a little bit, is I can draw a line like that. Is that line level? No. Def well, first off, define, define what I would need to do to make that line level. Make it horizontal. But it is horizontal relative not, to... No, that's not is, horizontal. You didn't, you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. Mm -hmm. It is horizontal relative to that reference frame. If we were to zoom in on that, so that we could look at it here, we would see a straight red line. Would we not? It's not horizontal. That's not what I asked you. If we zoomed in on that, we could see a straight red line, correct? But yeah, it's, it's a tangent. Okay, so there is a way. It's not there horizontal. Is way, there is a way to make it horizontal, is what you're saying. Okay. So this is what we do. This is what we do on the surface of the earth. This is what happens on the surface of the earth. Water is going to be level along any given tangent line on the surface Horizontals of the earth. don't intersect. Well, I think you should probably learn a little bit of advanced mathematics because, yeah, it, it just does not seem that you understand precisely what you're talking about. This may be a chance to give you guys a warning that we'll go into the Q&A fairly soon here. So if you guys have any concluding points, things that you for sure wanted to bring up and you were like, oh man, this would be interesting to get the take of the other side on, please do. And then in a, several minutes, we'll go I actually did. Um, I got one too, and it's, it's how, on what we were just talking about. But you, how, do, how do we explain how every other planet and star and black hole and neutron star that we've ever observed is spherical, but the Earth somehow isn't? How do you know sky. they are? Have you ever been to any of them? Have you ever landed on we've, any of them? We've, ever, we've seen them. We, we've seen them. You can see them. Yes, okay, we but can. You can see a lot of things. If you could see a truck in the far distance, you see a singular singular light. As it gets nearer, it starts to break up into the two headlights, a whole body of lights. But at a far distance, it appears to be just one orb of light. So you don't really know what you're looking at until you get much yeah, we closer. Do. But you've already told us that they're trillions of miles away. Wait, just do the you, nearest wait, do you think that electromagnetic radiation is the only way that we detect these objects? I mean, it's the primary method, yes, but it's not the only method. And why, and why, again, why, is, it, at, why is it that all the different methods that we utilize for observing these objects comport with each other? Just because they look like orbs of light does not mean that we're standing on a, singular, a similar type of orb. For one second. So then how come every we, other planet we've looked at and even things smaller than the planet, like the moon, are round? Well, the only thing we've seen that we know is round is the moon. Anything else and is well, all the, the sun, Jupiter, no, Venus, I've seen with Saturn, my own eye, Pluto, yeah, several Mercury. Yes. Orbs of gas, gaseous light, emitting light. Like, how can no, you have a, they a have orb shadows. of gas? You cannot. You, you, you're just making Wait, up. hold on. What did you just say? An 
orb of gas in a vacuum. It's impossible because can, everything in a vacuum. Hold on. Can you def, what does a vacuum mean in physics? Can you tell me what that term means when we're talking in terms it of like the physics? nothingness? No, it's, no, that's not what not a vacuum means. Well, what that's does not, that mean? It, it means uh, lowest energy state. It means the ground energy state. It, it is a field in a ground energy state. Is it, that, that would be a vacuum state of that field. And for matter and energy fields in the vacuum of space, there is a very, very, very small amount of particles present in these fields. So we say they're in vacuum state. They're at a vacuum. That is the vacuum of space. You can curve that manifold. And that is why planets and stars and black holes, and neutron stars and all the subgalactic objects that we observe are round given their mass. So you can manufacture anything out of nothing so long as it fits your agenda that you want to believe in. Whereas no. in actual reality, if we create a vacuum no, that's state not true. on Earth, we need to use powerful pumps, strongly sealed uh, valves and solid walls to create a vacuum state. And the minute of that course. seal is cracked the slightest, everything instantly wants to equalise pressure. Of course. And so even Earth itself could not exist within this vacuum of state and still have an atmosphere unless it had a strong physical barrier protecting us from the exterior lack of pressure. It, it, it does. That's called gravity. Yes, it does. It's called gravity. Hey, it took us over an hour and a half to get to gravity. That's a that's a, I think that might be a record <laughs> for Earth debate. Isn't gravity the molten core in the interior of the nope. planet? How can that, that be? That is no. not what gravity is. No. Gravity, gravity is curvature in the geometry of space-time by the presence of mass energy. So things that get less and less affected wow. by gravity because of the lack and lack of density as they get further and further away from the field of gravity get held by this invisible container because of gravity with the least effect. Density has nothing to do with that. Crap. D it's got density. everything to do with it. no mass. Mass is what is what we're is what we're yeah, looking for. Yeah, mass is defined by density per volume. Uh, not in relativity, no. Ma yes. Mass, no, no. Mass is a fundamental property that elementary particles. Well, I'm, I'm talking about reality, not relativity. You know, yeah, like, well, like, relativity like, is reality. We use it to observe and study and, and define our physical models in reality. Yeah. Look, you're, you're Ross. You're welcome to overturn relativity when you come up with a model that works better for the things that relativity is used for. Well, we use Good relative luck. density, and that easily overcomes your relativity made-up nope. thing to say that no, it doesn't. Things because relative density one. requires a force of gravity in order to actually it cause the emergent no. force that would relative counter density. the actual downward force of gravity. Yeah. Relative density is determined by the density of the medium within its end and how much resistant force it has. By right. um, type what Ross? By you come up with a better version. You come up with a better version well, of the buoyant force equation that doesn't use gravity as a term and get back you to don't it. Use gravity. What, what is gravity in your explanations except for it's just a measurement of distance I, over I, time? I literally <laughs> told you what gravity was. Gravity is curvature in the geometry of space-time by the presence of mass or energy. The Earth is a <laughs> massive object, what so that it mean? curves. What that means Think is that, that, that – You're talking about the space in between – hold on. Do, are you saying that you can curve – the area of space in between my hand. Okay, yes. if you can, hold yeah. on. If you can do that, <laughs> tell me what shape the area between my hands is and what shape you're going to curve it into. Are you curving it up? It would, it, it, it would depend on the, the mass energy stresses present on the space time in between. No, no. The, 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 oh, the stuff man. in between 
the stuff in between how how are you curving that it depends on the stress from um the mass energy mm -hmm. present in between because it's what is that? What that? So, that reality observable reality says that, that thing it drops because there's nothing there to support it to give it okay, resistance hold, hold, hold so on. It the sufficient resistance due to its density to stop it from falling any further that's all you need you don't need to bend space and time and make up all sorts of nonsense things occam's razor says the simplest explanation is generally the most correct one the most correct one says if you've got sufficient resistance that's not, from that's the not density what it says medium, then you'll get buoyancy. If you have insufficient resistance from the amount of density, then it will continue to drop until a place of sufficient resistance due to the density of the medium. That's all you need. Nothing complicated, no bendy space-time or anything above that. Just well, what, resistance from relative density. What you said is not correct. Um, can, can, you, yeah, can you bend the if I'm you measure distance between my hands, can you bend that distance and make it shorter and longer? Yes, I can, but it depends oh on. So you wait. You're telling me you keep asking the question, but then you keep interrupting the answer I'm trying to give you. Well, because it's just so ridiculous. Well, no. It, how can you know that it's ridiculous when you haven't even heard the full answer? Because you keep interrupting me every time I try to give it. Because if you're going to tell me there's six inches of space and you can change that six inches to four inches, you're saying six inches equals four inches. That's ridiculous. Well, that's not what I We're I'm not saying. even based in logic right now. I am sharing my screen um, because it shows a, a useful animation of what gravity is in terms of what gravity it does in space-time. Gravity is a useful time. animation. Yes. So if you can see this animation, that object would be a massive body like the Earth and the coordinate plane that you see would represent the curvature, the warping of the geometry of that plane. Plane, we feel as gravity any object present in that curvature like if you put a bowling ball on a trampoline and then set a marble on that trampoline the marble will roll toward the bowling ball it does so because the geometry of the trampoline is curved inward toward the bowling ball well gravity curves the geometry of space-time inward toward that massive body so that any other bodies what's gravity is not strong enough to overcome that field will fall toward that it, it, it doesn't even have to be that strong. The sun is consistently affected by all of the planets that orbit it. The sun consistently wobbles and precesses in its position due to the gravitational pull from all of the planets that orbit it. This, this animation you're seeing here, this is what gravity is. This is what massive objects yeah, do to space-time. This is why gases are held to the surface of the object, because the space-time in which those gases exist is curved inward toward that object, forcing the gases onto its surface. This force is also the reason that objects are spherical, because it pushes inward with equal force on every infinitesimal point on the surface, but the resistive force pushing back outward gives rise to a state called hydrostasy or hydrostatic equilibrium, and that is best served in a spherical form due to Except conservation Earth, laws like energy and momentum. Except for Earth, which is oblate. But your, your, just, your description of gravity just then destroys itself because you said with the bowling ball and a marble on a trampoline, that would describe the moon being attracted to the Earth and yes. smashing into the Earth and being stuck to the Earth permanently. Not uh, continuously no, walking. No, no, no. For thousands and thousands of years as we hurtle through this. 
Wait, can I ask you a question? It's in, it's in an orbit. It's falling around the Earth. It's in an orbit. No, just debunks your whole argument because if we're moving in one direction, one second, just involve happening through space in the on the trampoline while the marble goes around it because that marble would then also have to be accelerating upwards with the bowling ball, which is what you're saying the moon is doing. As the Earth travels multiple different directions, the moon may, therefore must be accelerating and decelerating the entire time that it is chasing us as we are chasing the sun, which that heard, is impossible. Can I respond to that Paul, really quickly? Uh, I Just because we haven't heard from Paul for a while, I do want to get no, to hear from Paul before we go into the Q&A. Well, I'm no expert on this, but my explanation for that would be the moon is a satellite. It is orbiting the Earth. It is falling around the Earth. Because of, because of the speed that it's traveling at, it never hits the Earth. It keeps missing, so it keeps going round the Earth. That's what's going on. And what Leophilius just showed us there with that demonstration, I've never seen anything like that before, and that perfectly explains what is going on. And if you couldn't see what that model was telling you, then I'd give up. This is absolutely crazy. Yeah, but look, if, the, if the moon moves us just that one time, it's going to keep on going in a straight line. It, there's no, no reason. it's not because the gravitational pull of the Earth is going to pull it back around. Can I respond to what Ross said? I can I, make it like 15 we, seconds. We, we do want to jump into the Q&A, guys. I, I just because we, we do have a, a lot of questions already, so I, I do want to get through these. I promise you'll get a chance to uh potentially uh we have so many questions this topic may come up again so uh in which you'd be able to get to jump in because I, I know that also um right the hand am I saying, pronouncing it right uh also had his hand up and so uh, sorry to jump into it but i want to say thank you for your questions folks our guests are linked in the description that's no matter whether you're listening via youtube twitch or the Modern Day Debate podcast. And by the way, if you haven't found us yet, pull out your phone, find your favorite podcast app, and find Modern Day Debate, as we have been excited that people have apparently found it useful. So, Sigma, any thanks so much for your... Super Chat says, Predict James will be on time. Ha, very funny. Bumpy Earth 420 <laughs> says, Globe's getting wrecked tonight, especially yep. when the moderation... When the moderation isn't biased, the horizon is not the curve. Globies, are you going to take that? I, I don't. I don't know what that means. I don't know what they're yeah, trying that, to say. It not means entirely sure what the yeah. Point yeah, I think that is to do with the horizon. Is to do with your perspective. So the the apparent horizon isn't the same as the geological um, horizon due to um, atmospheric refraction. So you never, actually, you never actually see the um, the curve. You see the apparent curve. Gotcha. And Cider Here Report, in reality, what we see Cider is what Report we get. Thanks, I hate to do this, but just because we have so many. Cider atmosphere. Report says, how does the flat Earth side explain time zones? It's 1.20 in the morning here as I write this. So how do time zones work on a flat Earth surface i already explained that earlier by saying that the sun is the hour hand of a 24-hour clock and so wherever it is locally that's our local midday where it is uh, 90 degrees to that one side would be 6 a.m on one side and 6 p.m on the other and as it go and the direct opposite side of it would be 12 midnight so as it moves around that creates the time zones and uh, which more or less match geographically they are done to match nations and for political reasons and so on like china only has one time zone but time zones are easily explained by 
the flat Earth surface basically being the face of a 24-hour clock. Gotcha. Kango24, I hate to do this, but we have so many questions. It says, question for the flat Earth people. Please make a novel prediction using your understanding of the flat Earth model that can be used in real-world scenarios to figure something or anything out. Uh, Timeanddate.com is a flat Earth map, square, flat. It'll give you sunrise, sunset uh, for the next 30 years. It's flat. There you go. Juicy. Sigma Annie, thank you for your question, said, Ross, did you get a chance to Google theodolite since our pre-debate debate? Some research into professional measurement tools is in order before claiming to understand more about measurement than a geospatial engineer. I'd already explained how the theodolite works to him. It's simply a basic way of overcoming the limits of our human vision when we're looking into the far distance. When we look into the far distance, everything converges at eye level, which is what horizontal is all about. It's the video I uploaded uh, due to that discussion before this debate started on my channel shows perfectly how, how it works. The theodolite simply shows how your elevation would actually appear at that far distance where the convergence point is because we know we're higher than the water level beneath us. It just appears to come to eye level. The theodolite overcomes that visual limitation and shows you what your actual level would appear to be. Everything gotcha. he said was I wrong, to, completely I hate to wrong. do this, but I have to jump to the next one because we have so many questions. Cider in Port says, Ross sounds like an Aussie, even if – or Aussie, that's right. Even if he isn't, my question is, Australia has their summer during the winter months. How is this possible on a flat earth? Okay, well, I've also tried to explain that briefly in my introduction, and that's simply because the sun – moves in a spiral around us, around the equator, and it moves upwards until June 22nd. That's the highest point. And so when it's furthest away from us, it appears to make a much smaller circle. So when it's further from us then, it's direct light coming through the angle of our atmosphere after the firmament means that the light is diluted a lot more, so we get less heat. So that's why we're having winter, while the inner side has the direct light straight through to it, so it has summer. And as it spirals back down again, it appears to make a much bigger circle, which goes out to the Tropic of Capricorn. And then the light is coming through less atmosphere directly to us, so it gives us summer. And you'll notice that in the southern side, we have much longer and hotter summers than the inner side do. They have a much shorter, moderate one. Next up, Kango well, some changes speed then. Kango24, thank you for your question, said, watching a quote-unquote adult man Pouring water over a little ball and shaking his head is quite possibly one of the saddest things I have witnessed. I can't remember who did that. Did did anybody do that? I, didn't, I don't remember seeing that. That, that was right yeah. the hand, but I want to say, to be <laughs> fair, I believe it was a fruit and not a ball. So let's let's get our criticism correct. It was a fruit. Right on, the hand. So sorry, buddy. Uh, you know, teasing is a love language, you know. Kango24. Oh, Sigma N, he says, Bev, are you the same Bev? in parentheses, on the level Bev, that attempted to challenge land surveyors on Reddit about how to make common measurements such as level. I uh, I asked them about uh, my uh, test. Well, it's a straight line proof test using water levels. In reality, using practical geometry, yeah. Gotcha. And the, uh, trolls, the trolls hit us really hard. What you have on your board is incorrect, by the way. This wow. one from Kang024 says, oh, got that. 
Chris Gammon, good to see you, says, flat earthers. Fast jet with unlimited fuel flying straight at the sun will take you around the globe to where you began. The plane didn't turn. Explain that. The plane did turn because if it's following the sun, the sun is going around the equator the whole time. Who even though you might, the the, you might see it through a different angle through the firmament, but you're still going uh, westwards in a great circle. So you might think you're not turning, but you, if you're following the sun or you're following a compass, you are making a very slow, gradual turn, which will bring you back to where you started. Gotcha. This one coming in from Kang024 says, The sun does not change angular size to an observer as it sets. So it's not moving away. Question for the Flat Earth people, please explain a sunset. Well, that's quite easy as well because we are seeing the sun as a hotspot apparition through the firmament. Now, if you're, as I described the firmament as like a big sheet of ice above us, once it hits that sheet of ice, it's still going to create the same size um, apparition regardless of how far away you are from it. It's just that as it gets further away, it's going to get lower and lower until convergence obscures it from your point of view. And then the light itself will no longer reach us. And so it goes dark. And that's what we call sunset. We have long drawn out twilights as well, which you cannot possibly have on a globe Earth, because if the globe was spinning, as they say, at over a thousand miles per hour, going the opposite direction away from the sun, the, the shadow of the Earth would instantly render you into darkness and you would not have a long drawn out twilight You'd be instantly in the shadow. Question for Bev. They're coming after you, Bev. This is from Kang024, who says, Are you familiar with non-rational B-splines? They are geometrical primitives used for making lots and lots of real-world things. Things. Yeah, I'm just... I, all I do is the real basic stuff, just talking about basic um, horizontal and uh, water levels. Gotcha. And Mark Reed says... Ross, you are Australian. Why can you not see the star Polaris from Australia? Why can't anyone in the UK or North America see the Southern Cross? Uh, as I already explained, you know, distance makes things disappear. As you get further away from things, they appear to get lower and lower. The stars are not immune to that natural law of perspective. It's the same as if you move away from a mountain. That mountain will appear to get lower and lower until eventually it's obscured by the convergence point stars do the same thing and basically the equator is the cutoff point from where you go. what is that distance well the equator is the distance where polaris disappears from view you know what is that four thousand miles from the north pole yeah that's not that's well, not a large greater, distance about five and a half thousand because you it's not the radius of the earth is it it's it's greater so yeah. okay so what you have is a post hoc justification that doesn't match observations okay that's fine anyway continue continue i'm sorry to interrupt next one coming in from b-ball for life says bev why do surveyors manuals say geodetic surveys of large areas are affected by and must take into account the curvature of the earth location on the earth surface and elevation above sea level the elevation is measured from a horizontal base from the uh, datum on a vertical datum and um that i think what he's talking about they say over 100 square miles i think any project over 100 square miles is where they take into geodetic anything under that would be classed as plane surveying 
as are all the tools of playing the surveyor tools. No, they take it into account when making bridges. You don't have to be over 100 miles. This one comes in Correct. from Decepticons Forever, who says, how do tides work on a flat earth right the hand? Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. So uh, my flat earth is the uh, Pac-Man, right? Probably heard of it, Pac-Man earth. Things just go from one side to the other. Uh, I'm working on the portal, whatever, why. So picture a wave. If you had a wave that just went across, the down part of the wave is your low tide. And then as the wave comes up, that's your high tide. So if you had a wave slowly moving across the flat earth <clears throat> or the flat plain earth, you would have high tide where the crest is and low tide where the What causes is. the waves? Uh, bro, you're asking me like what causes the sun? I don't know. Uh, I can tell you what causes the sun actually, gravity and gaseous clouds, but what yeah, causes okay, those waves? Gravity and gas. Where did those waves come from? Did they just magically appear or did something create them? And if so, well, what? May, maybe the wave has something to do with the sun moving over the uh, the, the how would the sun cause the waves? No, how, well. how does space time bending change? Ross wants the to add some as well. Oh, get high tide at night. Sometimes things that. Let's, 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 hear from, let's hear from Ross. I have a very real explanation for why the tides exist on the planar Earth. And they are linked exactly to the moon. The moon is held aloft above by a weak diamagnetic force, which as Gravity. it revolves around us, uh, it's a repelling force. You cannot pull water, but you can push water. Try using a straw you above a glass of water and try to suck water in with the straw above the water, but then try blowing on it, you can easily repel water. So what the moon is doing by this weak force is actually pushing the oceans around in front of it. Now, as it goes around on a circuit, of course, it hits a coastline of a continent and the water can go no further, that's the high tide, and then the water starts receding and going back. Water has a backwash effect. It's part of you know, dynamics, fluid dynamics. And so as the water goes back again, it creates a secondary high tide back on the opposite shore from which it came, by which time the moon has made a full circle 24 hours, 50 minutes later, and starts repelling it forward again to create the next high tide back the other way again. So that's why we can get two high tides and two low tides every single day on the stationary planet Earth, but you cannot have two high tides and two low tides on the globe with one moon pulling the oceans in one direction to get one massive high tide and one massive low tide Paul? every 24 hours, minutes. But Any this thoughts, matches Paul? the moon cycles 100%. We haven't <laughs> heard from any... you for a while, Paul. <laughs> no, I haven't got any thoughts. Dapper? This is the maddest thing I've ever taken part in. Dapper, are you still there? I am, sorry. Um, yeah, I, was, I was muted because th there was a dog barking. Um, uh, so I will, give, I will give Ross this. He at least actually answered the question, um, but again, demonstrated a complete lack of understanding of the standard model, which he's seeking to criticize, which in fact does account for the two, well, just over twice daily um, tide cycle, because you know the tide cycle doesn't take quite 24 hours. So yeah, it's just another example of the flat earth side just failing to actually understand. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. So, so it's just another example of the flat earth side failing to actually understand that the model they claim to be criticizing. So it's it's no, very frustrating. You, you have no explanation should, for the secondary high tide. We should jump into you the next one. The earth is pulled through the I ocean for the second this. one. Gentlemen, we should jump into the next one. I, I, but John, can I give a response? They can make it quick, really quick. I, I, I hate very to quick. say no, but we, we have a lot of questions. Um, do want to say, we appreciate your question, uh, <clears throat> especially for 
it is for you, Leo. Cider and Port says, for Leo, in your opinion, why is there a correlation between someone's opinion on the flatness of the earth and the... Okay, gosh. Looking for more serious questions. Leo will give you a chance to respond since this wasn't a serious question. What did you want to say? Um, so the reason that tides exist is because of the gravitational force that the moon exerts on the earth. So uh, I, I believe Ross is the name. He is right when he says that it is the moon and it is a result of the moon orbits the earth slightly faster than the earth rotates. And as the, the moon comes around the earth, the ocean tides, and obviously I'm exaggerating, will move upward toward it due to the gravitational pull. And that results in what we call tides. And this is why other gravitational forces that, that can even actually physically stretch and move moons or other planets like we see with some moons of Jupiter, this is why we call them tidal forces or tidal effects because they're, they result from gravity. You've got two moons in the one day, two tides, but there's only one moon. Where, where's the second high tide come from? It's emergent from the side. fact that when water is pulled in one direction, it has to come from the sides, and that lateral motion is differential to the opposite side of the bulge, which means that relative to the low tide, there is a less high but still high tide opposite the moon, which the high tide itself is yep. offset due to the rotation of both the moon and the earth. No, that, that would be the we low tide. We, 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 oh, that would, I know that's what you think, but that's not what the model we, is. We uh, must go to the next one. John W. says, I love this channel. Respect to you, friends. Even if I do not agree, I love hearing ideas and knowledge. John W., thanks for your support, and you can find all of our guests' links in the description. And Titanicus Andronicus, thanks for your Question said, if equations are wizardry, then algebra is black magic. Great show. Thanks for that. And John W. says, globe earth, but I may be ignorant. It just makes more sense. Love the debate. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, John W., for your support. The Craw Daddy says, I like flat earthers. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> okay. I hey, James. <laughs> hey, James, do you mind if I quickly address that first comment you made about the black magic sort of thing? Go ahead. Because it's quite ironic is that the globe depends 100% entirely upon this black magic, which they nope. call the dark force or dark energy, dark nope. matter. And it's 70% stronger than gravity itself. So first no. they invent gravity to make the world possible, but then to make the universe possible, to stop it all colliding into a singularity, they use this dark force or dark matter, which has never been seen, but they can tell that it exists because of their wizardry and formulas. Next up, B-Ball for Life says, the stars are 70 miles away? Wow. So the stars are closer to me than California and... I and I'm Hawaii. I don't I think they're saying I'm in Hawaii. I don't know. But they say, are the stars closer to B ball for life than California is? What what I was saying is the apparition of the stars are 70 miles away. The true star might be any given distance above that that we would never know because the firmament is the place where we get the first reaction of the electrostimulation of these various things that create the energies that create light in the firmament. Then with the sun, of course, being the greatest of them all and the stars, but they all appear in the firmament, which is why the ancients have always said that the stars and the sun are in the firmament because that's, to all intents and purposes, where they appear to us in it, whereas they could be any massive distance above it. John W. says, I am more interested in the awesome work of the middle guy on the whiteboard. Well, so it's been interesting <laughs> to see the different gadgets and things on screen there. Mr. Wilford says, for the flat earthers. Explain, in particular, right the hand and Bev, 
why standard candles don't allow us to stay or to say starts are millions slash billions of light years away. So is this guy's argument because there's candles that a, a, a star is a billion miles away? Like Wait, you don't know. you don't know what the term standard candle means even? Oh, uh, wow. So candle light luminosity. Okay, so things have really harsh. Bro, because I didn't hear what he said, bro. Chill out. So because something has a candlewatt right. power and we call uh, the brightness candlewatt, that means something can be a trillion miles away. No, no. That's, that's not what that is. No. All right, yeah, okay, hey. Let's hear briefly, Dapper, if you're willing to share what a standard candle is, and then we can give a chance from right the hand. So to... a standard candle is an object of a known absolute luminosity. So we know exactly how bright it is from a given distance. And then when we see that particular object, we can measure its apparent luminosity and then use the inverse square law to calculate its distance. Because when, if you have its apparent luminosity in the inverse square law, you only have one unknown variable, and that's distance. You just rearrange it with algebra. You get the okay, but, uh, distance. Yeah. So, can you have you ever like gotten right next to the sun and then walked ten feet away from it and know what the brightness is like? Hold on, said. hold on, hold on. Let me let me just say. Or are you saying because a candle behaves like this, the sun, which doesn't sit, why on are you desk, stuck on candles? Hold on, hold on, bro, bro. The the sun, which doesn't sit on a desk, burning wick should behave like the candle. That's ridiculous. When you have the candle or any type of candle light moving in the sky above me, then I'll believe that stars are millions of miles away, man. You're a pole. I'll tell you You have to be a pole. Right right the hand. When you figure out a way for the sun to work differently that doesn't involve special pleading, let me know. You're saying figure this. Every day we wake up and see a sunrise and a sunset and you're going, how does that work? Bro, no, you don't I know see how it works. How things work. You just see yes, that they I work. Do. So when you hold on, no. so when you ask me how does the sun work, you're somehow thinking that you can see why something happens and the thing that happens. No, you see the sunrise and the sunset. That's it. Now, if you want to believe that's because the ground you stand on is spinning, that's fine. Yes. I'm gonna cut in. Yeah, that I is what, yes. this, but Sigma, any thanks for your question? Said human beings are intriguingly diverse critters. Thanks for that. Kango24 says. For Bev, do you understand the difference between objects that are small and objects <laughs> that are far away? You have some Father Ted here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. For all intents and purposes, it's the same thing, isn't it? Did he, did he give you a, did he give you a <laughs> lot of money for that? I'm sorry. I need to mute myself. The large thing will look very small further away, whereas a small thing will look quite large up close, but... It's, yeah, it's all perspective. Isn't wait, it? wait, hold on. Just really, really quickly. Can I ask well, you a small question? thing will be even smaller uh, when it's further away. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, this can be lot. really, really quick. Questions. This is really, like really 10 quick. seconds, Leo. Yes. Ross, so does that mean that, that a, a sphere can look flat really, really close, but far away it can look spherical? Because that would follow from what you just said. But you'd still say curvature because any sphere, by definition, has... So you're conceding. All right. You can continue, James. A sphere is the surface of constant curvature. I don't know if he's done. Go ahead, Ross. I was just saying a sphere, by definition, has sphericity or curvature in all directions. It doesn't just exist in the far distance where it's out of sight, out of mind, you must be seeing it left, right as well for it to be spherical. Yeah, he's, he's conceding. what you will see uh, on the You will see that on any yeah, board. a little bit impulsive, buddy. I hate to call you out for that, but jeez. All right, John W., thanks for your question. 
says, I am driven to drink because this is my life the way it is, but flat earth versus globe. Thank you for that. T-Fish says, saying anything is over a trillion miles away is a maniacal fantasy. I don't understand how this is even a debate anymore. I'm sorry, um, the big numbers confuse you. Yep. That's all I got. Decepticons Forever the big says, numbers are Decepticons, we, do, we must jump to the next one. Decepticons Forever says, Emil from RoboCop doesn't understand distance. Sad. Who's Emil from RoboCop? Next up, Chris says, question for Globers. Which unis did you guys learn this mysterious math wizardry I've heard so much about? Hogwarts? The University of Massachusetts in Lowell. Gotcha. And two seconds. want to remind you folks, our guests are linked in the description. We've got more questions right now. The page is just loading. Very embarrassing. But... Thank you guys so much for your questions. This next one coming in from EndoXD, who says, Do you not know Einstein's theory of general relativity? Gravity is the curvature of space-time. Saying that's ridiculous is an argument from incredulity. Uh, it's an argument from actual observation of reality. No, we don't not. see anything called space and time curving whatsoever. Yes, we do. Just demonstrate it. So we watch gravitational lensing happen, which we see all the time. The so, observations okay. that Einstein and Edding, Sir Arthur Eddington made that can, in 1917 that confirmed general relativity were observing stars further out from the sun than what they should be because their light was being curved by the sun's gravity. This is how general relativity oh, was confirmed. Yes, we have, we have literally observed the lensing of light due to the result of gravitational fields. We utilize this every day in calculations. This is well accepted amongst all astrophysicists and cosmologists. Anybody denying it straightforward just does not understand the mathematics or does it not observe as it should be right like oh, it's like oh, it should look like this but it doesn't bro how do you know what something should look like the only way it looks like it looks if you think it should look like something else that's irrelevant to how it looks bro so your whole argument was it should look like this it doesn't it looks like it does therefore we're right yeah, so you don't funny. know how predictions work in science that's fine this next one <laughs> coming in from do appreciate your question this one is from the Crawdaddy029. It says, how does the flat earth explain how distances on the globe earth work out correctly to scale, but the flat earth map does not? I'll take that one. All of the uh, measured distances are either measured of vertical uh, for elevation or horizontal for distance in between points. They're the only two frames of reference that we have, horizontal and vertical. Navigation on, navigation on the flat Earth model would be almost impossible. Next up, Matthew. Well, you can't measure distance across water, though, can you? That's the yes, problem. Yes, you can. It, you, can, distance across you, can water. you can estimate yes, you it can. By, by average Anyways, speed. Anyways, continue. <laughs> Jeez. We're talking about actual measurements, and you just, anyway, let's no, continue. You're not. No. Anyway. Yeah, I was in the Navy. You can definitely measure your distance across water. You can't use an odometer in the water. Because you've got water currents, you've got all sorts of different things that can affect it. You can you work out average speed and estimate how far you've gone, or knots of miles, which is a, a rate of knots of a rope leaving the boat. Nautical miles? Knots. Because Nautical it's knots miles? Of a rope, and that will tell you speed by how fast the rope comes out the back of the boat before you have to wind it back in and start again. Yeah, nautical miles are done by latitude. As opposed to real miles, which are done over land. Oh my God. Based on a globe. <laughs> oh, to the globe Earth. 
<laughs> based on using circular geometry around the center point to, to use for navigation. You've, you've used latitude lines in ever-increasing circles around the middle point, which naturally then a nautical mile gets bigger and bigger the further outwards you go. Let's That's give true. Uh, because we, we haven't heard a ton from Paul. Paul, what were your thoughts on that? And then we're going to jump to the next question. I have no idea what he was talking about on the last bit. But uh, yes, you can measure distance over water. Of course you can. Next up, Matthew, Matthew Steele says, why has no flat earther ever taken just a single video from the edge of the earth? That's a ridiculous question because there is no edge of the earth. We believe it's infinite. It goes forever. But at the limits of where we can reach is Antarctica. And there are thousands of videos of Antarctica showing a massive ice wall surrounding us. Juicy. It's Mark Reed, thank you for your question, says, so if we set up a vacuum chamber, Ross, and drop objects, they still drop to the floor at the same speed. Why would that happen? Because the vacuum is the absolute lack of resistance. Whereas, you know, if you dropped a feather in air, a feather has some amount of air resistance. So that's why it gets resisted on its way down. Whereas if you drop why two does it fall down? Yeah, but why do they fall down at the same yeah, speed? Exactly. Why does it go down and not up? They both lack resistance from the medium they're yeah, in. Yeah, but why do they fall down they, at the same speed? Well, they stop what, when they hit the floor. Without the resistance, what's dictating they fall down at the same speed? Could it be Newton's universal gravitational constant? You can call it whatever you like, but it's still the lack of resistance, an absolute lack of resistance. Which, which is defined by what? It falls by the fact of having mass in a in a place that has no mass to resist. space time? Yeah, yeah, curvature. Thank you. Yep. No, in a vacuum. Nothing it's to do with space curvature. Time or curvature. It just falls straight down. Yeah, but why does it go down? If it's to do with density and you've and you've taken everything out of the chamber apart from the object, why does the object fall down and not go no up? Way. How does it Good go question. Where the resistance force always comes from beneath. That's what that's universally what, being what, what, how, how do we determine that? What mm. experiments determine that? What time. mathematics defines it? We don't need mathematics. You just need logical observation. Yes, and look that everything comes to rest when something you, with sufficient density resists it from falling any further. Like how do you ground. define your observations if you're not using mathematics? Do you realize how dependent you physics is on math? Relative density, mate. Like relative density. Yeah, how, how do you mathematically define that? It's sufficiently well. You can measure it by how much volume it takes up and so how what's much the equation. Weight. We really need to do it mathematically, but the mathematics the is irrelevant to the reality of what's actually you, happening. Would you put it on a vertical to... scale? Wait, density. you guys are saying mathematics is irrelevant in your physics. I mean, I'm not surprised by that, but irrelevant if, if you, to if the if you understand why, what physics is, you'll know why mathematics is so important. Mathematical explanation for it. The mathematical explanation is irrelevant to why it does it. Yeah, the mathematical explanation does, just explains what happens and the m amount it happens, but it doesn't explain why, why it happens is because there's no resistance beneath it to prevent it from happening. Yeah, so why does it fall down and not up? It's a vertical change, isn't it? So why, why, is, it why is it vertical vertically? In one that's your geometry. That's your mathematics. Why is it vertical in one direction but not the other? Why is it going well, in one direction but not the other? Vertical is up and down, isn't it? Yes. But so why does it go down and not up? Because it's not because a gas and it's not lighter than the okay, yeah, we we pulled this all one. the gas out. Pump the gas out. Why does it go down? I appreciate your guys' gusto. Uh, just that we have more questions. Sleepy Dan says, my glass of ice doesn't get heavier as it melts into a more dense liquid. Relative density is bunk and easily proven wrong. Well, that's ridiculous as well because when the ice freezes, it expands. So it takes up more space, which is why it floats in water. 
But as it melts and becomes back to liquid state of water, it's still water. It doesn't increase in weight. It's still the exact same amount of water it began with. Next up, the Crawdaddy 029. This is a two-parter. He says, that's not Ocean's Razor, but it's weird. I think they must have meant Occam's. That's not Occam's Razor, but it's weird for you to say the simplest answer is the most likely correct. What's more likely, that there is a major world conspiracy, a project manager's nightmare of people keeping the flat earth a secret, or that the world is just a sphere? Well, that's the sphere is the manufactured thing, which we're all brought up from childhood to believe. So you've got no reason to disbelieve the adults who taught you as you grew up. It's only as you grow up and start to think for yourself that you start to question the dominant paradigm of what we're told is reality. As soon as you realise, hang on a second, it takes many of us many years before we start to question what we're told to believe in. We think we live on a ball. Of course we believe it because all authorities say so. But all of these authorities have been indoctrinated with the same stuff from their childhood as well. They've got no reason to question it. They never did. And if they did, they would become the laughing stock of their school or their college, whatever, and they get laughed out of society. They get treated as a prior, as flat earthers often do. And so most people just go along to get along. They don't want to rock the boat. They want to keep their cruisy jobs or whatever it is, their happy income. Most politicians... They never considered it one way or the other. They just think, of course, it's a globe because that's what everybody believes. Everybody wants to be f- popular and, you know, for what, you know, to say the popular thing. You don't want to go against the grain. You just simply want to. Next. You know, so this, so this lie has been going for two. So this lie has been going for two thousand years. It hasn't. It hasn't. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. You've been told it has. It's only been going for like 50 years, really. Sure. Like so, so 100 years ago, they didn't know that the Earth was a globe. So you're saying 100 years ago, they didn't know the, the Earth was a globe. The New York Times in the early 1900s of the flat Earth with the ice wall around Do you think that the globe Earth has only existed for the last 50 years? How tall is the ice wall? Who cares about how tall it is? It varies. Well, I mean, if it exists, obviously we've been there by the, now. The question like, is, how long has this it. been going for? The debate has been raging since the beginning of time, really. So and most people you just said it's been only going on for 50 years. But but since uh, Hollywood yeah, took off, there hasn't been a debate. Studios start showing this image of the globe, and that same image is the same one that NASA showed us in the 70s or late 60s, whenever they took their first blue map image. It matches the one that the Universal Studios was showing us since 1927. So they've known about Let's, let, let's be clear about one quick thing, though. There is not a debate. There hasn't been a debate for... Over 2,000 years. What there is, is fun little entertainment where people clearly don't actually know the actual science or anything that they would need to criticize anything about science come on and pretend that they know things that are flatly contradicted by obvious observations. That's what we have here. This is theater. This isn't a debate. There hasn't been a debate for over 2,000 years. Like I said, at the beginning, I'm not actually convinced that you believe it's flat. I'm not convinced you believe it's flat. We'll give you a really short response, Ross, because I don't want to gang up on you, but then we got to go to the next one. I'm just saying that nobody was there 2,000 years ago to know whether or not there was a debate raging. We know Except there was the a debate. people that were there. All the people ago. writing histories. All right. Oh, all right. 
And so we, we know that people were debating it. You've got your Henry Rowbotham's and so forth who were doing experiments that proving it's flat. And so this debate was raging. And the only reason it was ever considered settled was because NASA started faking images through a, a round window of a high-altitude vehicle in the late 60s and said, this is a picture of Earth from space. Must that was when it was on. settled that we live on a blue Must. ball in space. Mikey Riot says, James, you got to host Leo again. He's brilliant. He's good. <laughs> That's nice. Your mom's in the chat, Leo. Okay. <laughs> but, but seriously, I want to let you know, Leo and all of our guests are linked to the description. So, folks, do encourage you to check them out. We appreciate our guests. We're really glad to have them here. And so, Mr. Wilford, thanks for your question. says, why do you profit-based airlines will plot their flight paths in fuel-inefficient ways, like they're accounting for the curvature of the Earth, why waste fuel on millions of flights versus just flying in a straight line? In other Very words, good question. Why do they, uh, yeah, why do profit based airlines fly as if there is curvature in the earth when they could save a heck of a lot of money by not flying that way? Exactly. Just plot it on the flat earth map and you'll see they're going in the straightest line possible. They're not matching the globe whatsoever. Yeah, but the lines are curved. Yeah, when, when, you plot, when, you, when you put it on a navigational chart, it's curved. Yeah, they, they're curved. <laughs> they're geodesics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this isn't even hard to do. You can watch, in many current planes, you can watch where you are on a, on a map of the Earth that is usually some kind of like Mercator-like projection, and you can watch your flight path curve, and yep. you can also look out the window and notice that what you see out the window matches what you should be seeing based on your flight path, and it still works <laughs> over land, if it were all over water, it would be hard to check. But it all lines up. So really, all you need to do to prove the Earth is a globe is take a flight of any great distance over land. And watch the television screen in front of you. No, watch that. And then also look outside and then double check the map. You can also even have people stationed on the ground if you want to coordinate to spot your actual plane because there are plane tracking apps. And you can say, hey, look, that's actually the plane. I think we should let the pilot in, look, in, look in, oh, yeah, sorry. And give, give a comment. We do oh. have a pilot. On long distance flights, if you put, plot it on a flat map, you will put a curve into it to account for the curvature of the Earth. On a short distance that I fly, I don't bother with that because I'm only doing 60 miles. But if you, any great distance, you include the curve for exactly what was said in the question to save on fuel and to save on distance. Yes. So if you fly like 2,000 miles, you're going to start here and then you're going to be directly under yourself? Yes. Oh, because the Earth is, well, it's not, it's, Earth is much bigger than 2,000 miles yeah. in circumference. Okay. So, so, no. so how many miles do you have to go before you're completely under yourself? Half the circumference. Yeah. And do you feel that, that orientation change, right? Of course. No. No. Why well, no. would you would feel you, the orientation so almost, change? Would you say it's gravity? almost like you're flying over orientation wise? You never feel that. So it's almost like you're just no. going No, flat. because it's, it's the same center of gravity. Feels. I'm just saying how it feels. It yeah. feels like you're going flat. Yeah. It feels yeah. like yeah. Because the center of gravity is a concession. I'll take it. Because, can I just ask? Because you are horizontal to the globe. Horizontal, okay. Yeah, now, you're, always, question, you're is, always horizontal with the center of gravity. Is the so amount gonna... of air curvature um, altitude dependent? What do you mean? Is the what? What's, the, what do you the mean? The amount of curvature, curvature um, in the atmosphere? Yeah, is, is that well, altitude dependent? Yeah, I mean, the higher up you go, the larger yeah. the diameter is going to be. What about the spin of the Earth beneath you? How do you account for that if it goes twice the speed of the airplane? 
<laughs> because the atmosphere is traveling with the globe at the same exactly it's all moving at the same time remember, remember yeah. your whole thing about how you can't measure distance because of relative motion of the earth and then so so Ross, pick no, 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 Ross, no, no. The, the atmosphere doesn't here. turn at a thousand miles per hour. Yeah. It turns relative to the speed given your um your position on the surface of the earth. Because the, the, the closer the closer to the poles you go from the equator, the lower the um surface velocity of the rotation of the earth earth is. This is why when we talk about the rotation of the earth the earth the most accurate measurement is to say that it rotates at a rate of three degrees per hour uh, 15 degrees per hour well what is wind uh wind is, wind is your local motion yeah it's yeah. local motion of the wind mm -hmm. relative to the surface so in that area that is generally driven by differences in pressure by pressure gradients and, and energy from the sun yes caused by the um, warm air currents yeah but, but but you just said the whole atmosphere is moving with the Earth, and yet yes. the atmosphere is moving yes. the wind in relation to Wait, the hold on, Earth, but Ross. Inside that, it's fluid. Ross, have you ever been looking at a river or a creek flowing, and you'll notice that there are places where the river might like be start to cir circle or swirl or anything? There's backward sure. motion in there in that river, but the river is still generally flowing in one direction. Same basic principle. The atmosphere of the Earth is very turbulent. It generally moves with the Earth, but there are points in it and areas in it where it's it's moving it's still rotating with the earth but that atmosphere is moving relative to the gradients is in in the, the pressure the, the river isn't moving with the river you know the What's river that? is moving independent the, the river is moving independent of the ground the ground isn't moving with the river. i wasn't talking about the i want ground. to give i want to give leo a chance to respond well, and then the we got to go to the, the next earth, one the ground is moving with the atmosphere and so you're comparing the atmosphere to a river above a stationary ground and saying it was that the using the river to explain what was going on. It wasn't yeah. comparing the two together. It was using the river to explain yeah. what you. I was can using see. the concept of a river flowing, and then like if there's if you put a rock but in the, the middle of the river, flowing. it might cause some swirling to to occur. But the river is still moving in the same general direction. It's the same thing with the our atmosphere. There's the there's turbulence. There's turbulence. We'll come right back to you, Rob. There's. I'm not talking about the, the ground. Is not relevant here. It what is I'm talking, what, what, yeah. I'm, what I'm not, not yeah, the example I gave. I, I don't know how often you floated in a river, but I've done it a lot. There's rocks and differences and everything like that that can cause the river, although it's flowing in one direction, there can be points where it swirls or points where it flows backward and comes back around. It, that's called turbulence. We have that in Earth's atmosphere, despite the fact that it rotates because the friction of the surface of the Earth on the atmosphere over the billions of years that the Earth has been rotating will begin to drag uh, on the yeah. atmosphere and billions cause the atmosphere years. to rotate to, with it. You have to bring in the billions of years, don't you, to say that this is why well, the atmosphere moves with the we Earth. Know, we know that the Earth has existed for billions of years. So, I mean, the water is flowing through the river banks. And so <laughs> the wind is moving independent of the Earth. It's not moving with the Earth. The Earth yes, is. is like the river banks. The wind is moving independently. Because Wait, if you're saying that the wind is also moving at a thousand miles Can per hour, can I just get a quick one in here, Ross, please? Um, Leo, would that make the because um, the air's curvature? Would that mean the curvature of the water level 
would also be elevation dependent. I want to let Leo answer, then we have to go to the next question. What, I mean, if you're talking about the relative angle on a sphere, when you move from the center out to the, the full circumference, your the, the, the angle of two of, of two lines defining those points will increase. So you could say that theta, your your angle, will increase. If that's what you mean, then yes. No, it's not, the we have to go further. The amount of curvature of the water. We must level. go to the next one. I hate to do that, but the Crawdaddy029 says, how does the flat earther side explain that when you go south and get to antarctica and turn left to follow it you make all right turns around it i'm the only person confused you know, i would that. like to know if he's done that has he has he done that traveling trip to confirm that's what happens or is he just going on his model in his head Next up, Magellan says, Flat Earthers, why does celestial navigation require spherical trigonometry to get a position fix? It doesn't. Triangle. Yes, it does. Triangulation has to be done through a triangle. If you don't have a triangle, you can't triangulate. So you don't know what spherical geometry is. You have a muscle angle. Leo, that's been pretty clear for I mean, it has. That's not celestial navigation. That's Magellan. Tower navigation via GPS. You got two or more towers. You can pinpoint his position because the towers are fixed. While you're moving, it will tell you where you are. Paul, is this true? GPS are on towers. So explain how you can get GPS signal then in the middle of the ocean. Exactly. Well, radio signals. Radio signals propagate for hundreds, if not thousands of miles. Man, if I, only, radio, if only radar horizons weren't a thing, so many lives could have been saved in World War II because it would yep. have been impossible <laughs> to ambush fleets on the ocean. And yet yeah. it still happens. Somebody was able to talk to the wide with a normal ham radio, even though he had illegal crystals in it, which gave him channels that you're not supposed to have here in Australia. He was able yeah, to that with the radios that you bounce off the atmosphere to go across the curve. Yeah. I used to do that myself. Uh -huh. It's funny how you can't yeah. always do that because it's dependent on atmospheric conditions. Yeah, exactly, it's dependent on, on what the uh, atmosphere you is doing at the time. You get the ionosphere, which you can bounce the, the radio signal off it so you can go a further distance. I used to do it 20 years ago. decreasing density of anything. It's... There's more nothingness than anything. Uh, no, no, gravity no. works in the first place. The, more, the stronger the gravity pull is, then the more dense the air gets lower down, hence we have the air pressure gradient according to gravity, which we just call it the volume of it and the amount of it pressing down on you. But if you're getting up to the ionosphere, you, you're talking about nothing. But if it was no. an actual firmament, you exactly. could actually bounce something off it like radio waves. You do bounce Cleary. stuff off the ionosphere. That's so exactly Ross do doesn't know how electromagnetic says, radiation Cleary works. Says, Thanks for your question. Can Bev explain how right line geometry defines the Euclidean three space of our world? Yeah, easily. Thanks, Clary. Uh, yeah, the, the right lines are the two right lines that make uh, a right angle. They are a horizontal plane and a vertical. Um, those two reference frames are the reference frames that we use in reality all the time. We use a tool called a level to establish a horizontal, and then we measure a vertical change. That vertical change from that horizontal is an elevation change. I mean, that's that's how it works in reality. Gotcha. Next up, this Bev, one is that horizontal. I can't I, see. I can't. Oh, there it is. Now we can. What? The line, line. Look, the circle I've done is that horizontal. Put it. Put a level on it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that horizontal? Nah, 
That looks it is if you're on the globe. It's not. Yeah. It is if the center of gravity is the center like of gravity. Yeah. Horizontals don't turn into verticals. They just don't. The, the horizontal don't. to the globe. We must jump into oh, the no. next one. Matthew Steele says, Leo, are you familiar with cat earth theory? If the earth were flat, cats would push everything off of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yes, uh, I am familiar with that. By the way, cats don't like uh, water, so they're not going to swim all the way to Antarctica. Uh, it's a little bit too about cold. That. Cats would become icicles in no time at all. Anyway, I was going to also say, Leo, I'm sincerely sorry I was so rude to you earlier. I feel seriously... You, you were rude to me? I was, yes, and I'm sorry for that. So I seriously, I do apologize for getting a little snippy. And I was a little... Well, it's all good. But yeah, I don't so, remember that, but it's it's okay. <laughs> thanks for your short memory. <laughs> so thank you. And, uh, but, the, but yes, we do appreciate our guest folks. And so if I am ever a little bit cranky as a moderator, forgive me. I, I uh, We do appreciate them a lot. And they are linked in the description. Also, Dapper Dino has an after show, which yep. is pinned Ooh. to the top of the chat as well. And, and so, I will be sending the link to join that in the same email chain that we're all in. So any of the panel members are able to, if they want to, I realize it's very late in some places, so I, I get it if you might not want to, but um, it will be an option. And the Crawdaddy. Midday. <laughs> the Crawdaddy 029 says, how do flat earthers explain that there are flat earthers all around the globe? <laughs> that meme flat, I'm yeah, then you, can do a global with, too. you guys have, even i mean flat earth aussie kent hovind he loves this meme i don't know if you know this but kent hovind he's not a flat earther and he loves showing this meme of some apparently a flat earther who posted on facebook join the flat earth club but we've got clubs all around the globe uh james that's who you need to get to be the the globe defender on your next flat earth globe debate is kent hovind i yes asked him and kent hovind versus nathan thompson we've asked for it (laughs) many times but we he won't do it i mean i'll ask again but thank you for your question this one coming in from the crawdaddy 029 says why are flat earthers sofa oh let's see so (laughs) wrong at what science concludes uh let's see we haven't heard from the right the hand what are your thoughts agree disagree Uh, science is the new religion right it's like (laughs) we all see the same effect and then science will try and get more from it right they'll tell you the why so we i can stand with a scientist and see the effect that he sees then he's going to be like well before we saw what we saw I made a hypothesis. So now I know more about what we saw than you, and I can tell you why it happened. And I'm going to be like, well, if you saw the same thing I do, you can tell me why it happened. Then I should be able to say why it happened. So can I ask one really quick question to that? Really quick. Um, Do you know, right the hand, the difference between a hypothesis and a theory? There's no difference. They're both mental. Okay. Yeah. That answers everything I needed. We can continue. (laughs) <laughs> technicalities i like flat earth rossi or aussie are you having a a brewski out there it looks comfy buddy <laughs> bloody ice mate and ex excellent question <laughs> sigma, sigma any says for the flat earthers what would happen if we clip the string that tethers the sun to the great central axis you don't believe that do you 
And it'd fly off into space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brian Williamson <laughs> says, I'll fight anybody here. Thank you, Brian. Did I miss any? Let me just check if there are any last ones. We do have another one. This one comes in from Mr. Wilford. Thanks for your question. Said, Why did the, we can't say this word on stream, N-A-Z-I-S. Oh, the National Socialists? That's right. Have to account for the curve of the earth when using the Gustav railway gun. Right, the hand. <laughs> I mean, you're you're asking. So, because the Nazis might have oh. used the gun, oh, oh there it goes. The word. That's uh, all right. Not <laughs> Just answer the question. <laughs> because Nazis are liars, bro. You know they're they're Nazis. They'll lie about anything to get what they want, which is power. And, so they know, were lying to each other about how to aim their gun so that they could lose the war so they could get power. Did yep. they win the checks war? Out. Did they win? That checks no. out. No, is it because they were lying to themselves about how to fire their guns? Is that is that really the claim you're going with? Is it, <laughs> the, the Germans the Germans hated everything, including themselves so much that they lied to themselves about how to aim a gun from a train? No, what I'm saying is they thought the earth was a sphere they lost the war because they couldn't aim right. So all the, all the allied artillery men were not taking it into account. Is that what we're going with? They would have won the war if they would have taken this into account and they wouldn't have been missing and they wouldn't have lost. So maybe if they knew the earth was flat and they didn't account for curvature, they would have had more direct hit. <laughs> well, the in, in the inevitable flat versus globe earth civil war, good luck with the aiming tables for your artillery guys. Yes. <laughs> Next the up. Germans actually uh, found the escape route underneath Antarctica with their U-boats, and so after they had won, they decided to just concede escape and leave it to the evil allies who think they won when they actually lost. Right. I said too much. Right. Next up, this one coming in from Chris says, no, radio is bounced off the firmament. Duh. Oh, that's a good point. No, no. No, Leo, we just lost. Let's pack it up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. No, I don't to say to that. Brian but uh, on, on a serious note, learn how electromagnetic radiation works. Brian will Learn how electromagnetic radiation works. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, Brian Williamson says, should I buy Bitcoin, gentlemen? No. I'm going to go ahead and say... If you have money that you don't actually really need right now, then sure, fine, spend some of it on Bitcoin. But never put more into something as volatile as Bitcoin than you can afford to lose. Treat it like a casino with, granted, slightly better, well, a lot better odds than most casinos, but still treat it like you're going to the casino. If you have an extra 20 bucks to spare, sure, put it in Bitcoin. I don't care. Silver has went from $18 an ounce to $28 an ounce. Juicy. And Ozian says, Kalel is God, and he told me the world was a cat. And not flat. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Meow. See, he told me it was a dodecahedron, so now I think we have a schism coming. Uh oh. So I'm ground catnip to take over the world. It's always <laughs> fun, folks, and do want to remind you. Yes, we appreciate our guests, and they're linked in the description. You can hear plenty more where all of these answers came from. We do want to encourage you to check out their links below. And so, thank you all of our guests it's been a true pleasure to have you and especially thank you paul for staying up super late with us paul what time is it there oh, it is 20, 20 to 4 in the morning but this is uh, 
one of the best and maddest things I've taken part in. It's been... Cheers to you, Paul. That is some dedication yeah, to this. I probably sure. wouldn't be doing it if it were four in the morning. <laughs> it's all right, because I'm going to go downstairs in a minute. Um, I get myself a Jack Daniels. I'm going to log on to your after show. Well, thank you very much. That link will be forthcoming right after the uh, we go off here. So, Okay, no worries. So thank you, guys. It's been a true pleasure. Leo, Paul, Dapper, right the hand, as well as Bev and Ross. Thank you for hanging out with us. It's been a true pleasure. Always enjoyable, James. Thanks for having us. And thanks, everybody. Yeah, it's been a yeah this has been a really fun one you guys i love this like format like this has just been really <laughs> high energy and so thank you guys it was honestly a blast and also want to let you know folks i'll be back in just a minute with a post-credit scene on upcoming debates we do have one tomorrow night you won't want to miss it we have a lot of other ones coming up that are juicy so stick around for that i'll be right back thanks everybody keep save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.